Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to uh, the Raptors Over Everything podcast uh, for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I had to stumble there because I forgot that we weren't doing run it back. Because uh, I'm joined by my running back partner, Alex Wong. Alex, what's going on, man? What's up, man? We're just recording the same thing we recorded yesterday. Um, yeah, listen, I have like three friends left in the pandemic because I haven't uh, made any energy at all to socialize with anybody. So, um, yeah, that's why I'm calling you once again, man. Listen, it's been a tough year, but you have been um, the go-to guest outside of V for... <laughs> the season and we we need to talk we need to talk about this whole year we need to recap it we're gonna give out some player grades because i think that's a great way to sort of cover and sort of discuss um just like um generally what uh, we've seen from the players this season but first we got to talk about the playing tournament that just happened um this okay so the other games kind of ass I'm not gonna lie. Even the Grizzly Spurs game, like the Spurs fell down really big early and they came back, but then they lost. Demar had a really bad performance. People started making comments, you know, whatever. Dylan Brooks was cool. Um, JB had a like a monster double double, but really the big game was Warriors Lakers. Um, honestly, like, did you enjoy the game? And yeah, I mean, what were some of your favorite moments from Warriors Lakers? Yeah, to be honest, that was the most engaged I've been with a basketball game this season and you know i feel like because me and you obviously we watch all the raptors games and that's part of the work that we have to do like how many meaningful raptors games how many meaningful basketball games did we actually really watch this season right like like they started off two and eight and, and you could pick and choose you know if they go to milwaukee and sweep milwaukee they, they have a huge game against the lakers which was turned out to be kyle's last game of the season but we were so used to watching these meaningful games and celebrating 15 game win streaks and championship runs that this season was kind of tough. So yeah, I was super into last night's game and I found myself rooting for the, uh, for the Warriors. Like I don't think I had a particular rooting interest. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it would have been the most hilarious and like best storyline for the Warriors to win. 
um, you know, LeBron's IG content for like 48 hours leading up to playing Memphis would have been like absolutely hilarious. Oh, man. Um, and I was also rooting against the Lakers because they didn't play Marcus Gasol, which didn't make sense to me. Like he might as well have just sat next to Drake and Michael B. Jordan last night because he was pretty lonely on the bench. But yeah, I was super into the game. And yeah, it was tough that, that the Warriors couldn't pull it out. You know, Andrew Wiggins looked great. You know, Bro, this is he was my looking first time watching the Warriors this season like <laughs> intensely. So I was like, "Wow, Andrew Wiggins is actually uh, outplaying LeBron at one point." But obviously, you know, LeBron hit the shot. I can't believe he made that shot. I can't believe he made that shot, man. But I don't know. Amazing game, man. And Steph, honestly, like, like I know, like this is nothing new, but Steph is ridiculous, man. No, absolutely, man. Um, and it didn't even feel like he was having that great of a game. I thought the Lakers did a really good job guarding him, like um ad's mobility was really good and, and important Dude, in that they, front like you remember the last play they double team before they called the timeout they were like triple teaming them like after Steve the Kerr should have called that timeout immediately um oh my god as soon as you see that there's no opportunity for him to transition pull up three you need to call that timeout and i understand the place was loud you know kerr had to run onto the court uh and get that get that timeout but listen man nick nurse would have sprinted out there man nick nurse would have dove on the referee he because every second matters he got the timeout with 2.1 which is like there's not much time. You have like, even if you can just get the inbound in, like, it's it's gonna be very tough. So, um, I mean, to be honest, the Warriors have no one to blame but themselves. Though, like, it's really just like, why did they just start turning the ball over like every possession? Like, that's what really got the Lakers back. The Lakers didn't play well. The Lakers don't look that good. I'm not gonna lie to you. Unless LeBron is like, no, no vibes. The the Lakers have no vibes, man. There's there's no vibes there. It yeah. reminds me of that team, the Cavaliers team that unfortunately swept the Raptors. Which one? But- didn't look that great in 2018, right? Like, they, oh. they basically – I mean, LeBron basically single-handedly carried them. There's way more talent on this team. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. The, the vibes are just weird. Um, they've got a lot of players that, like, like Dennis Schroeder and and Drummond, of course. Like, I just don't feel like they should be playing big roles in these playoffs. And, and not to – I guess we can make it about the Raptors because this is your Raptors podcast. Like, man, they would – they could have used Kyle Lowry, man, for, for, for Taylor Horton Tucker <laughs> and whoever else they were going to throw in. Like – Oh yeah, Schroeder, Schroeder, and uh, KCP. Yeah. First off, that, that's a that's a garbage trade package, and I wouldn't have wanted to see that um, because you have one long term asset there, kind of in THT, and you had already traded for Gary Trent at that point. How many shooting guards restricted do you want? Plus, THT is going to get a big deal because he's he's going to get that Lakers bump. I, I actually like THT as well, like as a player, but yeah, no, they could have used Kyle, which um, I mean. I guess that brings us to the topic of okay. So the the actual Raptors news that we have um, is that Masai and, and and Kyle did their season ending press conferences. Let's start with Kyle because he was the first one to go up. First off, okay, I know you are a dedicated Zoom participant. Obviously, you are a, a very serious reporter who is engaged and um, actively following the team in the Zoom calls. I'm sure you got a you know paper and pen <laughs> jotting down notes. <laughs> um, what have you made of Kyle Lowry's media performance all season? Because he gave another classic one, obviously, like 40, 45 minutes uh, answering questions from everybody. What what have you made of Kyle Lowry's media performances this year? Because we know that in previous years, he's been um, more ornery occasionally. Yeah, you know, Kyle doesn't get excited you know, unless it's ESPN or, or the American media. And that's just how it works with him. You know, the 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 fake farewell that he did, after the Nuggets game and, and obviously the the exit interview that he did to me, honestly, my, my initial reaction is just always, wow, I guess he's leaving because he's 
you know, he doesn't do this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Kyle's, you know how Kyle is, you know, he'll, 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 you know, he'll make the jokes, you know, with you guys and, you know, he'll, he'll usually keep things short, um, you know, but for him to spend that time. And that's why I was kind of surprised to hear him say that he, you know, just trusted Bobby and Masai at the trade deadline. I mean, he did, but, but I think like every indication was after the Denver game that he thought he was gone. And I mean, that was pretty much in line with everyone else's expectations, like in, in the basketball world. So yeah, when, when I see the performances, honestly, it, it makes me think about whether, you know, this is kind of just his farewell and then he's just doing a, doing a favor, you know, to the local media and, and saying goodbye to them. But like, I don't know, like, I feel like we've done this with Kyle so many times, like even when he hit free agency, like, what was it? 2017. Um, yep. It, like, you know, he, I, I think, he wanted to go too, right? Like three months later after he came back, he was like, I wanted to sign in San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why did, why did Kyle say that, man? First off, San Antonio ain't done shit. San Antonio ain't done shit. It, it turns out San Antonio came to you, okay? San Antonio's best player, Kawhi, just came over. It's all good. It's yeah. All good. So I don't know. I guess like if he goes, it's going to be, I assume Miami or Philly seems like the, the logical destinations, but mm. I'm still holding out hope that, that he comes back. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to gauge because he obviously does have a connection to the city and to the franchise and to Masai. Yeah. Like the way he talked about how, you know, he, he really only stayed because of Masai. Like that's a big part of why he's there. I think that means a lot considering what they've gone through. And you think about just not even the ups and downs, but like, you know, the coaching change, obviously the DeMar trade that they had to work through. Um, you know, they, they've talked about like having these sit down conversations during the championship season. So I don't know. Does does Kyle value just being a Raptor? You know, he obviously cares a lot about his teammates. His teammates love him, right? Like every teammate in the exit interview was like, Kyle's the best leader yeah. that I've, I've ever had. Like, does he care about that? Like, like being part of this franchise in that way? Because if you want to go win a championship next season, you know, the Raptors probably not the best place. But do you see yourself just finishing your career here? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like... I do feel like it'll be a tough choice for Kyle. I don't think he's look just looking forward to just getting out of here. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And I think also the money is going to be a very big part of it. Because when he was asked about it, he was like, yeah, money and years talk, right? Like money talks, years talk. Um, and yeah, first off, that would be a great line for a Tangerine commercial. So, you know, just go ahead and take that. Let's go ahead and take that for free from Kyle. Money <laughs> what, talks you're, not gonna, you're not going to announce Chris Boucher, the Chris Boucher, Mary Brown's commercial next season? What's going on? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the, the boat has passed on that one for me. The boat has sailed. But uh, as, as I've said in previous times, man, if, if anybody out there is looking to advertise and involve a Raptor in any way, please involve Alex. He will give you some great contact ideas for a hefty fee, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, your rate is, but it's got okay. to be big. <laughs> Yo, can we talk about uh, can we talk about how the, all the chicken places are always fighting for like the Raptor space? You know, you yeah. got KFC. Popeyes mm-hmm. has been involved too, right? Popeyes has been involved. Popeyes did and, like you know, a Raptor thing, but but not like a player thing yet. I'm I'm looking forward to Popeyes getting. Uh, who do you think will get in there? I don't know. Probably Gary. You know, I'm looking forward to Gary Trent. Assuming he comes back, I think there's a lot of Gary Trent commercials mm. coming. You know, I feel like he's the next bag getter on this team like this team is just full of young guys who just get bags right like like yep. fred is like yeah i'll talk to pc financial and say tampa is terrible <laughs> like this is all they did but it worked the that's season. the thing it worked we shared that fun video of him driving out of his garage in a ferrari 
Like it Yo, got Shust- like thousands of likes. So you know, it Yo, worked. Shust- Fred, man, legit, honestly, like like top five percent in terms of like just coolest players. Yeah, absolutely. In, in the NBA, like, and this is not even just I know super biased from me and you, but like, no, legit, but, legit. No, like, we're very lucky to have NBA, Fred, man. Yeah, yeah we're, we're lucky so, to cover a guy like that. Yeah, we're so lucky. Like, he's not gonna be. You could argue, obviously, he's not like the most talented guy on this team, mm. but. Uh, I'm ready, you know, whenever the post-Kyle Lowry era starts, like he's the most important player on this team. And he's going to be the face. He's going to be like the face of the franchise, you know, next to Masai, to be honest. Like he's like, he's that guy. I've heard you talk about like how he always steps up and talks after, he does. you know, tough, yep. tough stretches and losses and stuff. And, and no, you're right. Like it does say, it does say a lot. Like, like Fred is the voice of this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and he's had a great year on that front. And I think, you know, bringing the point back to Kyle, like, I think that's, that's, that's one thing that's been really cool with Kyle is like, this was the first year where I feel like genuinely he's transitioned into that Dirk Nowitzki kind of stage in his career where late, you know, late in Dirk's career, no, Dirk was different. He took some discounts. I'm sure he's getting that back somehow through back channels from Mark Cuban or whatever, but he took some discounts, but I think it was just like a reverence with Dirk after he won that championship, his legacy was solidified and it's not like he didn't want to chase any titles. It's not like, you know, teams didn't come calling. Like, remember, the Warriors wanted Dirk, right? But um, he chose to stay. And, and, like, even though he was around, even though he didn't fit the quote-unquote timeline of the team because he was older, like, there was just this constant reverence of him and that, like, he could scale his role up. He could scale his role down. And there was just sort of, like, this this identity around the team that he still pers- personified. Um and, you know, it, 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 to extend the dirt comparisons, like one of the things that happened was that like every single time the Mavericks brought in any European player, they were like, oh, he's got a bit of Dirk in him. You know what I mean? And like, to be honest, we're doing the same propaganda for Kyle. Every time there's a new point guard, mm-hmm. we're like, there's a bit of Kyle in him. There's a bit of Kyle in, in, in Fred. There's a bit of Kyle in, uh, in Malachi. And so like it, it's getting to that point. Of course, the fan base is like an undying love for the guy as well. And um I think that does matter in a way. I think obviously with Kyle, like he's, he, I think the money and the years are important, but if the Raptors are, are cool with the money and if they have a team that's like somewhat competitive, I think Kyle's going to be, you know, cool with that, which is something that I said in run it back, which you can watch um, <laughs> this week. Yeah. It's, it's probably, if you're watching on YouTube, it's probably like right here. It's like in right the related video right, right now or right at the bottom. If, if you go to the recommended videos, it's probably the first one. So oh. give us a click on that and just different outfits, you know, Will's got a different kit on in the other one. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, to be honest, I'm less worried about Kyle. I think really that's an organizational decision. And I think Masai was asked about Kyle's future. And, you know, Masai did kind of talk about pivoting to a young, younger group. And I don't know necessarily he was saying that to justify the resting at the end of the season. Uh, or if he was saying that, because he's trying to hint at the fact that the Raptors are going to move on from Kyle. Um, I don't know, man. What, what, okay. So, you know, what do you, what do you think of the relationship there? I think, I think, you know, in terms of it is, would it be most prudent for the Raptors to get someone else using that money or, or just giving that to Kyle? I think if Kyle wants to come back, and you know it's at a price you know he's obviously going to name a price i'm assuming he wants like around like what i think around the trade deadline was reported he wanted like 25 mil a year yeah over two years like maybe two years 50 you know i think if he wants to come back and that's the price you know you kind of owe it to the organization and just the team to bring him back you know i don't feel like 
you're giving him some kind of like honorary contract where he's going to be a detriment to the team. Right. Like mm. you talk about not just the off court value, but you know, he was still really good on the court. Like he's not prime Kyle Lowry anymore, but he can still orchestrate those games like against Brooklyn and the Lakers. But like, how close and, is he to prime yeah. Kyle Lowry? Like, is it, or we're talking like, is he 80% of prime Kyle Lowry? Is he like 75%? Like, I wouldn't say he's any lower than 80, to be honest. I thought he was really, Oh, no, that's what I'm here. saying. Yeah. 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 No, I think I would say like 75 to 80. Um, I just yeah. think, you know, at some point, I guess you, you have to factor in, like, I know you've done those basketball reference, you know. Oh, I know. Like Kyle's already you... exceeded that. But I think at, at this yeah. point, it's like the, but, but the fact that people are taking so many threes and the fact that, like, look at Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry's, like, fitness regimen and everything like that. Like, yeah. he hasn't shown any signs yet. So I think we just need to reconsider our, our concept of aging for, like, these pro athletes. No, I think I think that's fair. And I think his basketball IQ, too, alone is just going to make him viable still, even if the physical skills deteriorate. So I guess like, no, to answer your question, you know, I think if Kyle wants to come back, they should bring him back. Um, And I know we're going to talk about the roster after, but assuming they don't make like huge changes, the roster is actually kind of locked in, in, in terms of the top guys, you know, assuming if they bring back Ken Birch and Gary Trent Jr., you pretty much have your top seven locked up. I mean, that depends on whether you like the top seven or not. Yeah, I was going to say, do you like that top seven? <laughs> I mean, that's, do you that's like the that thing, though. Seven, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, though. If Kyle leaves, like, what are, you, what are you doing with that money? Like, are you just – you might just roll over some of that space into 2022, to be honest. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, again, I said this on running back. Wow, we, we should have we'll, – we'll, we'll do different topics soon. We'll do different topics. <laughs> uh, but I, I said, like, I think that's the best – the best player the Raptors can spend with that amount of money is on Kyle Lowry. And, you know, they can pivot elsewhere, you know, like they can look to adjust other positions and go younger. But I think, yeah, in terms of bang for your buck, um, even for Kyle at 25 million, you know, 20 ish million, whatever it is like, you know, that's, that's something that he's going to meet the value of. But I think, you know, I guess the bigger question is like, so, you know, Masai also obviously spoke at length and sort of, you know, he, he made his point, obviously that the Raptors are, um, you know, looking for championships. Like this is all about championships. He, he literally looked you and me in the eye and said, everyone's forgotten about what happened two years ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> we point, did it. To, no, to which no, point I'm it. like, I feel attacked, honestly. He's like, no, 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 listen. <laughs> no, listen. I felt attacked when he was like playing for what? Like, you know, he basically called me pathetic. You I know, mean, for for checking the standings the last two months and wanting the Raptors to get the tenth seed, but like, no, you're right. Like, it's funny too when I think about Masai. Like, I know he's obviously been here for like almost a decade, but like he inherited a lot of things when he came here yeah. in terms of the team, right? Like he inherited Dwayne Casey. Um, you know, he inherited um, you know most of the roster that that ended up being the core. And he obviously made all these trades and, and brought in all these guys, but like. He stuck with Dwayne for all those years. The first time he got to pick a head coach was was the Nick Nurse year, and you know, obviously he and traded technically, for Kawhi. technically Nick was already here. I mean, he yeah. was technically hired yeah, by yeah, Brian. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, yeah, tech. I mean, yeah. Remember, we I'm were sorry, I don't want to be that kind of guy. Holder? Yeah, no, uh, no, 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 you know, delete that footage. Delete that footage. I definitely <laughs> never said that. Definitely never said Nick Nurse looks like uh, he, he, Albert Brenneman from. Okay, okay, this is not a Kwame Brown situation, all right? I like um, Nick. No, but come on the podcast, please. All right, keep going. <laughs> but like, this is really, I think, the challenge for Masai that he's like excited about is like he really gets to build this team, not like from the bottom up. I mean, mm-hmm. they they have talent on this team, but they do have to rebuild it 
And I think that's exciting to Masai too. But that's why it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the other stuff that he said. Like he needs to know that ownership is committed. He needs to know all of these other demands that he didn't list out specifically of, you know, making sure that the Raptors operate and are considered one of the top organizations in the league. And I think it's interesting that he challenged them from, he challenged that point of view from like two sides, the NBA and his own ownership group. Right. Like, I don't know what the specifics are. Like we all know, like it's famously documented now. Like when Masai came here, he had this like list of things that he wanted, right. He wanted Mm -hmm. a G league. He wanted an all-star game. He wanted a practice facility. So it just sounds like Masai has a new list this time. And maybe it's not more concrete things like that, but it's just more in the way that he wants the, the Raptors to operate. Yeah, which um, I'm happy with, honestly. Like, I think that that's the thing. When you hear Masai talk about these things, right? It's like, yo, this is awesome. We like a guy with this much passion. The thing is, he also means all these things. So, like, it's like, you know, to you and I, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, Masai wants to turn, you know, um, the, the Raptors brand into the next, you know, Manchester United yeah, brand. Yeah, but he's not, yeah, he's not bullshitting. He's, no, he's really serious, not, man. not bullshitting, though. Yeah. No, he's serious. Yeah. He wants to see me in a Raptors jersey, not in this Liverpool kit from two years ago. <laughs> Shout out. Um, but, no, but like he's really serious about that. So like I think it takes a bit of creativity and like it takes a vision to sort of like imagine that brand as, as something bigger. And I think that um, that's what you pay leadership for is to envision the next step before it happens. I think, you know, to, to, to be honest, in the, in the realm of and the scope of like what is already happening people have a good sense of like how to execute that you can sort of get that done you can refer to people who have done it in the past you sort of copy models you can get that done the messiah said himself he's not trying to it's not you know this is a copycat league he's not trying to copy anybody and he has this vision and i think that's the pay that's the price of leadership is that vision to imagine what is the next thing how do we get to it how do we reach it and how do we make sure we get that and i think that you know, I'm sure whatever demands Masai has, like, I think that it'd be very wise for people to sort of heed that. But I mean, even before we get to that, though, like, do you think it's a, it's a point where after this season, watching after watching this year, like, do you feel like the team should be pivoting towards more of a rebuild kind of situation? It doesn't mean like tank like six, seven years, like Sam Hinkie, but just like a rebuild situation. Or are they trying to sort of still be as competitive as possible because I think that um, those things might not necessarily be mutually exclusive, but it, it does lead you in terms of how you make that choice in, into making a decision on Kyle, for example. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's kind of tough for the Raptors just because you do have the, the core of Fred Pascal and OG locked in to an extent. Um, and that's really the core that you, you kind of believe in. So if you're talking about rebuilding, even if it's not fully tearing it down, but like maybe shifting the focus to more young players, maybe maybe having taking a few steps back still the next couple of seasons to, to kind of build up the talent base again, then what do you do with those three guys, right? Like mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it's hard to make a case for moving any of the three, you know, like, like they're, they're I, so I don't valuable see it to the team. Until they f- for sure hit their ceiling, and there's for sure yeah. a great trade that puts them over the top. I don't really see the the need or even the desire to move them right now. That's the problem. It's like, you know, like most teams, especially like the super teams, like you look at Brooklyn, right? Like they get their three guys and your problem is like filling out the rest of the roster, right? Like, like getting right, a Blake right. Griffin and Jeff Green. So you're kind of like, I don't know, like you're going like inside out in a way. Like you get your superstars first, then you fill out the rest. The Raptors are the opposite, Yep. Like they have the perfect guys 
to complement a superstar, like maybe not too many guys, but like you look at those three, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've seen two of the three do it on a championship stage, and we've seen what OG can do in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, like so it's a weird spot for the Raptors because you want to say, like, yes, like all they need to do is get a star, but there's just no path to getting that player right now. And at the same time, if you want to put those three on the trade market, you know, separately or package them with the lottery pick, like you're right. Like, what are you gonna get? Right. Like I feel like it's just gonna be like a lateral move. Like, like if you if you package a, a player and a pick, like who's really out there? So mm-hmm. I don't know, it's tough. I feel like they just gotta roll with this roster, you know, add the lottery pick. Um and just continue kind of replenishing the roster because at some point, you know, if, if guys like a Malachi Flynn and, you know, Jalen Harris and like the lottery pick that comes in and you start building up that talent base again, you've got all your draft picks. I think Masai just wants to put himself in a position where he can try to make that, you know, not, not a Kawhi Leonard trade again, because that feels like, like a once in a lifetime type opportunity that, that kind of worked out, but like get himself in the position where the Raptors are, are players in that way. But at the end of the day, like even after the championship, like the Raptors still haven't landed a huge free agent. Like there hasn't been a superstar free agent that has said, I want to come here. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, until that happens, you know, that's always the clearest path that in the lottery to, to getting the star. So, you know, I do feel like the Raptors are, are kind of not stuck with the roster that they have, but I feel like that's the, the easiest path for them right now. And it's frustrating because yeah, I do sure. feel like winning the championship, winning the championship makes a, a lot of the fan base just expect to be able to get back to that level kind of, you know, with one move. Yeah. Which, you know, that doesn't, that's not possible. <laughs> like it just isn't like, you know what I mean? Like it, it is somewhat possible if you have like one of these like superstar who are like, you know, in free agency and you have like, all the money in the world and you're a destination market and they want to come to you, then yeah, maybe you can kind of have an instant like Brooklyn situation, you have an instant Miami situation. Um, that doesn't happen though, right? That just, just doesn't happen. And the reality is most championship teams take a long time to sort of build to that point. Even the Lakers, for example, they took a very long time to build to that point because they needed to get all that trade capital to even acquire the second half of the championship, which was AD, right? Like that, that took a lot of lottery picks and things like that to get um, in addition to LeBron wanting to come. So, yeah, it's uh, I think I agree. I think the Raptors have a, a path to building a championship. The, 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 I mean, the blueprint they're following is their own. Like, it's going to be the same kind of deal. And it's going to be building from the middle. So I think on that front, I think the Raptors have a pretty good sense of what they want to do. I think Masai is probably a bigger, you know, thing is sort of like, how do you get the brand to be bigger? And that's a, that's an open question that maybe we can think about in the future. But um, yeah, in the meantime, though, I I do I did find one piece really interesting on Masai. I think Dave Festrick at, at, at the Toronto Star has a really close connection with Masai. And, like, um, you know, whenever he writes about Masai, there's always a lot of things in there. And I did find some things kind of interesting in there, right? So, um, you know, he says, sources will tell you that it's likely a long list as to what Masai wants, including a renewed commitment from MLSC, the Giants of Africa, a continued commitment from ownership to spend into the NBA's luxury tax in pursuit of a championship and assurance that Ujiri will have unequivocal support from MLSC and their board of directors on any number of matters. Now, of course, that becomes a question is who, you know, the, the thing with MLSC is that like, it's not just you convince one guy and it's, it's all good, right? It's really a board. And, you know, because obviously there's the Rogers side, there's the Bell side, there's MLSC side. He has Larry Tannenbaum. And I think Masai in this press conference was very, very vocal about the fact that he has Larry 
Um, he's name dropped Larry two or three times. And he said specifically, me and Larry are good. Almost like, okay, I'm clearing him, right? But the thing is, there's two more heads that he kind of has to, to, to sort of clear there. Um, there's, there's, now the thing is, I don't want to pretend like I'm sort of like some MLSC expert. I'm definitely not. I don't even really fully understand this thing. But there is um, the CEO, which is Michael Frysdale, and he's got a very awkward history. And I'll just quote um, Dave Festrick here. In, you know, um, CEO Michael Frysdale is in many ways an anti-Liwiki, a non-existent public presence at the very least, whose lamentable background in apartheid-era South African tourism can make for awkward Zooms. And of course, and what, you know, what about Edward Rogers, the scion of the eponymous corporation that owns 37.5% of the operation, folks who run the Blue Jays rave about Rogers' commitment to excellence, which is a plus, but let's just assume that the Rogers family's secret recent Instagram snap alongside Donald Trump wouldn't have escaped the attention of Ujiri, who has more than once spoken out against Trump's um, divisiveness. So, you know, I, I don't know. Like, this is the thing. When you're dealing with, like, people at the very, very, very high tops, like, it's obviously Masai's not going to come out and say these things. But it does sound to me like there are some hurdles in terms of, like, do you have their unequivocal support? Because I think it's about more than Larry and not front. But, you know, I don't know, man. I think at the end of the day, I think money talks, right? And Masai has yeah, been I think money talks, so much and money. Also, like, and I think, like, Masai will probably get to dictate the terms of, like, who he reports to and how the workflow works. Um, you know, I think, honestly, the, the most encouraging thing that came out of the Maasai thing, like when you hear him talk and you, and you know that he has these lists of demands, like for the whole year now or the last two years when we've been speculating, it has been, you know, is there anything left here to challenge him? You know, he's won the championship. You know, he's gotten to the top and people always talk about maybe he'll do things outside of basketball. You know, maybe he'll take a bigger role with Giants of Africa and try to build that into something bigger. For me, that's the most encouraging sign from that interview is like Masai does see a lot of challenges left here in Toronto. Yeah. And he seems so motivated to like, you don't, if you're leaving or if you actually want to leave, mm. I don't think you sit there, especially a genuine guy like Masai and talk about your desire to win another championship here in Toronto. Uh, because remember at the trade deadline, you know, he said something that was really ominous when he was like, Oh, don't worry. Even if I'm not here, the Raptors will always be fine. Right. And I think at the time that, you know, some people could have taken that as, oh, you know, he's leaning towards leaving. But but you watch an interview like he did this week and it's like he knows exactly what he wants to do with this franchise and he still has visions. And like you said, he still has things that he wants to do to, to build the brand of the Raptors. So, you know, listen, man, you look at any ownership group around the league. Um, we don't need to like drop names, but like you research all these ownerships. There's going to be these political divides right now. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of these ownerships. And that's why a lot of times we were like, yo, Masai's never going to go to New York because of James Dolan, right? Because when you look at James Dolan's history of even just like dealing with his own employees. So I, I think those are things, yes, that Masai has to work through. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't feel like that's something that's going to end up stopping him from coming back. You know, yeah. I, they're going to have to work it out because MLSC is basically just going to say yes to whatever Masai does. Like he's won you a championship. And yo, like the Raptors franchise is where they are because of Masai. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think my ultimate prediction is still Masai comes back. Um, they, I think something it, would really have, to I think it would have to go up. something like really terrible. Yeah. For, Which you, you just never know. know. That's the thing. You don't you just know. Never yeah, you don't know, know, man. And you know, Masai's a real emotional guy too. Right. So who knows, maybe one bad meeting or, you know, something he doesn't like would 
motivate him the other way to, to walk away is the thing, right? Yeah. This is the man with all the leverage in the world, man. No, he really does have incredible leverage right now. And I think in, in retrospect, it makes complete sense that he left at this point, because why would you not negotiate from the position you have the absolute most leverage? And I, I, again, you know, for, for people who I was joking about this, like for people who um, watch that presser, which you obviously have to go and watch, but like, if you it, just imagine you're another GM trying to negotiate with Masai. Masai is giving you that version of that presser straight to your ear through a BlackBerry passport for 40 <laughs> minutes a day for like a week or a month or a year. <laughs> and eventually you're like, fine. I'll give you five million in addition to Kawhi Leonard for this. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fine, fine. You can no, have he, a free title. There you go. He probably told Philly, Miami, and the Lakers like a trade deadline. He's like, I'm not going to just take your offer at 3 p.m. Yeah. And none of them took him seriously. Yeah. Like Miami, Masai, really, like, Miami you know, really got Victor Oladipo, man. That's unbelievable, man. <laughs> Yo, don't forget they got a Bielitsa too from the Kings. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I think many people do forget that because <laughs> I was watching the Heat game the other day and I was like, yo, who is that? Yo, And honestly, they didn't show the jersey for like a long time. And I really spent five minutes of the game and I was like, oh, yeah. No, their 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 core, their supporting group is like super wash. They got Trevor Ariza, Ariza and Iguodala. Yeah, that's 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 pretty unbelievable. I'm surprised they didn't get PJ Tucker as well. That feels like that's like the holy trinity of like (laughs) (laughs) washed wing stoppers. (laughs) Oh, man. What what was James Posey, man? Come on, man. Man. Yeah. yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, no, no, you definitely did it. Um, No, we got to do the react part on that Chris Childs game. Have you ever watched that game? No. The Pistons Raptors game five. I'm not going to lie to you. The only footage of Chris Childs I've seen is him punching Kobe. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one most of your generation knows him by. <laughs> uh, no, no. You gotta, you gotta do a, you gotta do a throwback react pod to the, to Chris Childs tossing up a two point shot when they were down three, with with five seconds left in a deciding game five against Jerry Stackhouse, former Raptors nine hundred five coach Jerry Stackhouse and the Detroit Pistons. It's a great series, man. All right, I will. I will do my best to find that video, but uh, it's gonna be tough. <laughs> it's gonna be tough. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's gonna be you're tough. Gonna have, you're gonna have to buy a VCR player. <laughs> I was gonna say, man, do you have footage of this? Because I might need a direct. I might be Nick Nurse <laughs> shipping in uh, VHS tapes of Phil Jackson running the triangle from Germany to to Birmingham. Man. Yo, Nick Nurse's Nick Nurse's all time uh, uh, winning as per- uh, percentage as head coach took a huge hit this year, man. Yo, you know. You know, it is what Tough. it is. It's unfortunate. But, uh, what I mean, Tough. to be honest, like, how, how do you think Knicks handled the end of this season? Because, you know, he probably is like, as with every coach, right? You're spending so many hours, like, grinding, watching tape, watching, like, five games ahead, scouting, you know, having meetings about it, discussing strategy. And then the front office is like, yeah, so you have six players today and Aaron Baines is playing small forward, buddy. Go ahead. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think Nick was like, yo – I'm taking. I don't care. I'm not scouting Indiana. Like I, I don't. I refuse. I need load management. I know Nick. Didn't Nick earlier in the year have a presser where he got a little bit frustrated about his roster? I remember him saying something about just like, "Yo, this, these are the guys that I have." Like you know, like there's a. <laughs> and this is a man who coached in England, bro. <laughs> this man was definitely coaching accountants in England, and he's like, "Yo, how do I have the same roster right now?" Actually, the funny thing for me, you know, I think it was a really frustrating season for Nick as well. Like mm. Nick's used to winning, man. Yeah. Like it's it's not easy. Also, it's not easy when you can look down the bench and like, you know, 
tell Kawhi and Mark to check in. Yeah. And then, and then two years later, you're kind of looking at your options. Um, and there's not, and not it's Aaron, a lot it's there. Aaron Baines and Stanley Johnson. Yeah. But like, I mean, I guess that's part of, that's part of why the Raptors um, hire Nick too, you know, not, not just to guide them to a championship, but he seems like the guy that would be most adaptable to kind of these situations and these changing rosters. Right. But I don't know, man, I've never seen him argue with refs as much as I did this season. Yeah. Like, and, but then halfway, halfway through the year, he stopped though. He, he, yeah, literally... he chilled out for a little bit. He chilled yeah. out for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know that. I don't know, man. I got a lot of questions about this Raptors season. It's just like, obviously they rest the guys down the stretch mm. and Kyle got the majority of the rest. I was like, if you're going to rest, why don't you rest Fred and Pascal? Like these guys literally came back from COVID and have been talking about being out of breath and, and, you know, struggling. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not questioning them. I'm just saying like, obviously probably maybe the guys decided for themselves, you know, I'm sure it was a collaborative effort. Probably. You know, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like they just told them like, you know, you're not playing tonight. Like they definitely work with them on it, but I don't know. I just feel like if they were going to shut it down, then you should have just shut it all down. Cause hmm. I don't know. They, they, after, after they beat the Lakers, they were still very much in it. And if they had beaten the Clippers, and again, I know this was all just to get in the playing tournament, but you know, I don't know. It's just, just a, I don't know, just a messed up year, man. Every year, there's a couple of teams that end up in this like, this like middle, you know, of of not being at the very bottom or the very top. And unfortunately, the Raptors got stuck in that spot this year. Yeah. No, I mean, the hope is that it's just a temporary down year, but I think. That is to be seen, and um, how are the what what they decide in the off season is going to be pretty big. Um, it's it's a pretty big off season, and again, just get Masai done. You know, like you know, listen, Masai said he's going to Africa after this. Like, listen, you gotta, you know, maybe before his flight, you know, departs, maybe you got to pull like a Ross and Rachel situation. I know, I know, I know, you know what that's like. Well, what's going on? The uh, oh yeah, the fr- Friends is coming back. By the way, huh? they're doing this reunion episode. I'm, I'm good on man. Netflix. It's a big deal. Yeah, that's that's I'm, I'm good. But um, no, I mean, I, I was kidding. I, I thought I thought you were a huge Friends fan, but I guess you don't. No, no. I, I mean, I can pretend I can do a central perk backdrop if you want. You know. Wow. See, so you were Friends fan. Um, no, I mean, I don't know, man. There's like you're, Rachel like was gonna leave for a great career in Paris, but then decided to like stick around for Ross. Who's like super mediocre? So Rachel's Masai and Ross's MLSE. Yeah, basically. So. <laughs> Ross is uh, Larry Tannenbaum. Oh man, yo! By the way, Larry Tannenbaum seventy five. Man, I gotta look pretty good for seventy five. Damn. All right, yeah. we're evaluating Larry Tannenbaum. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the player grades. We don't need to come on man. evaluate his fitness. Come on, man. down horrendously right now. <laughs> no, listen, man. I'm about to ask you for for Alex Len's uh, season uh, grade. So now we'll we'll start at the very top. <laughs> we'll move our way down. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna give them player grades, uh, me uh, and Alex, and then afterwards we are gonna decide if we're gonna keep them or cut them. All right. I'm sure the Raptors front office have already done a similar exercise, probably in much more greater depth than uh, two people. Yeah, certain players have already been shit. cut. Certain players were already cut in their minds for the last couple months. But anyways. yeah, fair. Everybody who played the last six games. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, let's start at the very top. Kyle Lowry, man. Uh, I'm going to give Kyle a, a B plus for this season. Um, you know, I think one thing that was a little worrisome was that in a lot of these games that Kyle played, the Raptors record was actually not that great. Um, so, but I do think that the way he kind of stepped up for the team when they were super, super down 
with COVID, right? Like they had one coach. He was the guy out there with him and Norm. There's multiple games where he stepped up in that front. He had like a 20 assist or 18 assist game against the the Celtics and all his running was pick and pops with like Chris Boucher and, and, and Baines. Like, you know, I'm, I'm giving a B plus. Uh, of course he sat the rest of the year. So that's, that's a, that's a bit of a thing too, but you know, I think a B plus is solid. What, what do you yeah, think? Kyle? I'll, give him, I'll give him like a B, you know, I think it's not his okay. fault, but I do have to penalize him for like the availability. You know, yeah. that was obviously, you know, in conjunction with the team, but you play like what, nine games after the trade deadline. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, so I'll, I'll bump his grade down a little bit. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how, like, oh, this is, like, 75 80% of Kyle's prime. The one thing that did stand out to me was, like, when he did play, like, second nights of back-to-back, you could tell yeah. that he wasn't kind of the same player. So so mm. that's kind of where you start to see, you know, the age and, and, you know, the decline there. But, yeah, like you said, man, I think they were, like, what, at some point they won, like, 13 in a row without Kyle or something across two seasons or some wild stat. But like Yeah, it was, like, 16 16- yeah, but like, like Kyle's yeah. the biggest ceiling raiser on this team, right? Like you don't you don't beat the Lakers, you don't beat Brooklyn, you don't have those wins without Kyle. And he's just a year removed from having an amazing playoff series against Boston. Um, how was your own um, performance on back to backs? Did did age impact those? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> <laughs> I, I struggle just in single games, man. You know, you know what yeah, you know what is wild because I know you know this too, but this was tough. And I, I know we're not going to complain like covering basketball from home, but like th- there were not, not a lot of off days this year. Like, do you know yeah, how yeah. few times every time there was every time there was actually two days between games, it was so rare. Yeah, and I actually felt like it was a huge break whenever that happened because. And and obviously, I can't imagine what it was like for the players, like dealing in that environment. But like, mm. this was a very condensed schedule, and combined with the fact that the Raptors were terrible, it was just not enjoyable this season. I agree. No, there were like two weeks where they had five games in a week, which mm-hmm. like, come on, man, that's it's too much. It's too much. But um, yeah, you know, I think maybe I'm giving Kyle a little bit more generous grade because I'm the last memory of Kyle is that 37 point game and. It was so outrageous. I mean, and to be honest, I, uh, you know, a, a very loyal listener to the podcast went through and actually counted all the stars um, that were given out on the reaction podcast. And I'm not saying that that's the ultimate way to, to to rank the team, but Kyle got like a star in like six, like forty percent of the games, which is by far the highest share of anybody on the team. So, you know, Kyle Harrison is getting a B plus here. Okay, Fred VanVleet, what's Fred VanVleet getting from you? I'm gonna say Fred VanVleet is also a B plus in my books. I would say he was a, he was at an A level for the first half of the season, and then post COVID, it's very hard to evaluate. But he did have a number of inefficient games. I mean, again, I think that is mostly fitness related. But um, I, I think on the whole, he was still a B plus for the year. If you look at the impact metrics, Fred was actually the biggest driver of wins this season. Um, so I'm I'm curious to hear from you. Is uh, is Fred? What, what what's Fred getting from uh, from from Doctor Doctor Wong? Wow. Um, my dad's probably going to watch this and be like, what's going on? Why is running back uh, 97 <laughs> minutes this week? <laughs> Why is there two episodes? Um, it's optimistic, man. Yeah, I'm going to give Fred a minus. You know, I actually don't want to okay. penalize him for COVID, to be honest. Fair, um, fair. You know, I th- obviously it, it did impact his performance. But, you know, the, the Fred I'll remember is the 54-point game, you know, ripping the ball from Giannis, you know, sizing up Giannis and, and getting to the hoop and, and finishing. I um, feel like those plays are actually really symbolic of like how far Fred has come, you know, even as, as recently as like last season, it was a question of should Fred start, you know, can you play Fred in, in a big playoff series? 
or, you know, is, is he going to be at a height disadvantage and have a series like he did against Philly two years ago? So you even think about how far he's come since then. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously, like we talked about, established himself as the voice of the team. Um, you know, Fred's one of the highlights of the season, man. I don't know we'll get to OG, but like Fred and OG, like those were the, those were the clear highlights of the season for me. So, you know, I think Fred took a huge step this year in terms of just establishing, establishing himself as like a leader of this team. Um, which is kind of wild to think about because he's, he's really not that old. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I outright asked him in one press conference, I was like, yo, you're two years younger than me. How, how are you so wise? <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he's like, bro, you're such a fan of this team. Stop asking questions. Man. <laughs> I, I love when I pretend to be a journalist. It's actually really funny. <laughs> no, Sometimes I'll watch it's it back great. and I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> I'm literally the guy from yeah. the Osmos commercial, man. <laughs> no, if the Maasai Zoom is available, everybody, uh, you know, from earlier this week, everybody should go towards the end, you know, when, when Will asked Maasai a question. Uh, voice scheduled, was a little shaky there. No, I, th- I think, I think um, Will Will was wiping away a little bit of tears, too, after Maasai's uh, That's, emotions. That might be the first question I've ever asked Maasai. So, I don't know. I think the Zoom format makes it a little bit easier. It's a little... It's a lot harder when you're in a scrum or if you're like sitting and, and all these people around you and stuff like that to, to raise your voice. It's but definitely more organized. It's way more organized. I actually really do appreciate that. Um, but to your point about Fred, I mean, pre-COVID, obviously we know the three-point shot is his most effective weapon. Pre-COVID, shot 38.3% from three on 8.8 attempts per game. It's in 34 games. Post-COVID, he shot 33% on 10 threes a game. So what that tells you is he's not getting to rim as much. And he was just also not the legs weren't in the shot in the same way. Um, and I feel like, yeah, hopefully, you know, with the full off season, things like this, that he can recover. But um, you know what? Honestly, you've talked me into it. I'm bumping him up to an A minus as well. This no, is, you, this is you why you have parent it. teacher interviews, man, because this, you know, this is why, this is why I'm here. Bro. The grade. This is what Asian no, this... parents do at every parent teacher interview they just try to hustle the teacher for better grades or, or if or if you had me as your uh, as your ta as your teacher assistant in, in university you know just you know wow. come argue your grades no um no shouts to fred man a great contract too you know i, I know that was yep. a pretty big number that they gave him last season but you know you don't hear anyone complaining about it yep also you know just again uh, the fact that he held steph curry to two made field goals for 40 minutes I, I obviously get a lot of help, but 40 minutes, Steph had two field goals. You know, that, you know, Fred's defense is insane. Uh, Pascal Siakam. I'm giving Pascal a B plus. I just continue my theme of B pluses here. Um, I wouldn't say that it's an A performance in this year. Uh, to be honest, it's closer to a B than it is to a B plus. But I will say that, um, you know what? Actually, I'm going to give it a B. Forget it. I'm going to give him a B. And, and maybe you could talk me up into it. But I, I just think that, like, there were obviously very prominent moments where he sort of came up short. And I'm also docking the grade because he won at Nick Nurse. And unfortunately, this is a Nick Nurse stand account. So um, <laughs> I'm going I'm to give Pascal a B. And, and Nick Nurse, again, please come on the podcast. Thank you. Really trying to get him on the party. I'm trying, I'm gonna man. Make sure, I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to give him – I don't want to give him a B minus. The team's too hard. On, uh, yeah, I'll give him a B. You know, I think it, it's weird because I feel like a part of me is always defending Pascal just because there's just such a segment, I feel like, of the fan base and, and even just the general basketball-watching audience that has turned Pascal um, into kind of this meme and this joke, right? The, you know, the guy who just spins all the time and, like, you know, misses all these shots at, at the buzzer. Um, but, you know, 
if it's weird because like I think feel like it's two things with Pascal. There's like the eye test, and then there's like you look at the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Numbers look great. You know, the numbers actually look great. But then, can we ignore the fact that you know a lot of the struggles did come down the stretch, right? And yeah. also, can we ignore the fact? And I don't know if you agree with me, but like, there's some nights where Pascal just kind of doesn't have that same intensity, or there's not like this. I feel like he hasn't established kind of this baseline. Yeah, I agree with what, you. What he and, brings and, with you on it, and, and I feel like. And I don't want to harp on the contract, the 30 million, you know, he earned that, you know, coming off the championship and he's, he's a super valuable player. Um, and I don't think we should always judge a player based on the size of their contract, like whether he's making 15 or 30, you yeah. know, it does make a difference in the team building. But like, I feel like if you're getting paid that and you're expected to be the, the number one guy or the one a guy on a really good team, I need to know that you're just going to bring a certain, kind of level of play every night and i feel like that's what's missing from pascal that is more concerning to me than the fourth quarter stuff because some of that is just i feel like roster construction some of it is also just bad luck he missed a a layup remember the the timberwolves game where the raptors fought back and it was like 80 80 yeah (laughs) and then he got a layup and he missed the the most the most famous ones was like the portland and golden state back to back right at the start of the year on the road trip but But again that's bad luck yeah because he got no but the thing for me is covington and he missed it's it's fine the thing for me is the consistency yeah no for sure i think the consistency is it's a great point i think yeah from a star player like perspective you just need to bring in every single night and there were notable nights where i think he just wasn't there but i think on the overall like he did have a pretty productive season i think he did improve his assists were up his turnovers were down um i think the three-point shot obviously is concerning but you know i mean really it's just the, the one thing i would like to see is the consistency both like in terms of his like play on the court, but also his mentality, right? Because I think one thing with Fred sure. is like part of leadership is like you're just consistently that guy. You're leading the team, you know, you're into the game, you're competing, you're doing whatever you can. And I'm not saying Pascal's not doing that, but I'm saying that there's like this like leadership element from from Fred that really sort of distinguishes him, which probably gives him a better grade in a sense than than Pascal, even though Pascal had better numbers than 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 Fred did overall. But um yeah, it's, it's a B season. Let's be real. Um, OG Ananobi. So he only played 43 games, which is probably the biggest thing to knock against this game. But I think I'm giving him an A and feeling pretty comfortable about it, especially in his role. He did really well. And he showed some expansion towards the end of the year. Damn, yo. I should teach, man. I'll pass everybody. I'll give him A plus, man. A plus? Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, what's the complaint? You know, what's the complaint about OG? You know, I he think got hurt twice. What... And it's yeah, not his but... fault, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, I feel like that's, you know, it's like an input incomplete portion of the of the grade. No, oh, it's like attendance. It's like participation. This guy's docking him for participation. No, I'm, I'm that teacher. That's correct. Yeah, uh, he actually missed. <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't spell out his full first name on, on the test. So I'm going to give him a Yo, minus 0.5. I punted the 10% participation grade in every class in university. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to class. Um, you did well, I've been working from home since I was 16. Uh, no, I... Um, no, I gave him an A plus, man. You know, I feel like the development has continued. Um, you know, I think it was Zach Lowe who called him the best perimeter. Like said that he, the argument is there to that OG is the best, already the best perimeter defender in the NBA. And, and you see the way that he's able to lock down guys and like, man, just like guard different positions, whether it's Jokic or, or some of the perimeter guys. Like he's he's ridiculous. And like one of the best parts about the the Norman Powell trade next to the Players Tribune essay was. Uh, you know, they they bumped OG's usage up on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, I don't know, you have the numbers. Like, I don't think the efficiency slipped that much. 
no, not and really. you know no. he yeah, and and you know he legit was like a twenty plus point score on a nightly basis. And if somebody told you that two years ago or a year ago, you wouldn't believe that. So we always said like, oh, anything on offense from OG is a bonus. But now I feel like we got to raise that ceiling a little bit. And you know, having him turn into not like not like a not like a top ten player in the league, but having him take that jump actually I think is the most important like he's the key I feel like to, to where the Raptors need to go because if he does make that extra jump I think that changes the trajectory of this team yeah absolutely um to your point so in the three months before he got uh, before you know uh, Norm got traded right uh, in December January and February OG's usage rate was 14 percent in December 17 percent in January and uh 18 percent in February once Norm got dealt, that moved up to 22% in March. Uh, obviously, there was some crossover there. Norm didn't get dealt until later in March. But 23% in April. And I think the biggest thing is that he his, he bumped his scoring from about, you know, 11 points, you know, 16 points, 11 points per month to 18 points, 18 points, and 17 points in the last three months. And I think that, that there, there was a tangible um, escalation in sort of the way he was being used. I think it was interesting seeing him run some of Norm's plays. Not the, not all of them are going to work for him, but, you know, might as well try it out. And I think some things he did really well. He, I thought he's, he obviously showed a lot of confidence in his shot, uh, which has really improved. He's doubled his shot volume. And, you know, defensively, he's still as great as ever. That's the one thing you're concerned about is when you get to that point where you're like, you know, really being used on offense, how much you have left in the tank for defense. And, and OG still was, you know, clamps on that end and so really i'm just wow i can't believe i'm one of these teachers i'm going to give him an a only because he missed you know time in the season but i gotta say even when he came back from from the missed time like he was really really good so shout out oj man he's uh he's this is definitely the highest grade we'll give him the season okay ken birch so he joined the team mid-season um was honestly as good as you could probably hope for because the fact that he was in orlando in a totally different role but he was averaging five points five rebounds and he comes to Toronto, he bumps the scoring to 12 points, 7.6 rebounds, 1.2 assists, 1.2 blocks. He basically came in and gave you a, a prime Sergeant Baca stat line. Um, what are you giving Ken Birch for his half a season here? I'll give him a B plus. Um, a B plus? I, could, I thought I was yeah, giving him a Should I go higher? I'm, I'm giving him an A for, for, right, for his role. Okay. I mean, obviously, it's like he can't play more games, but he did play out all the games, even at the end of the season when they're resting everybody. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, I'll give him a minus then you see how easy okay. it is to convince me. Um, yeah. um, but like, yeah, I think we're getting into the group of players where we need to be a little bit careful too. You know, I'm not taking away from anything Kem did, but I think part of that too, there's a small part of that where we, where we're comparing it to what we were seeing at the start of the season from the center rotation. Okay. So, fair. you know, for, for for him to come in and, and perform like that, he he did look great um with with the starting five, you know, the the five that, you know, when they didn't rest. And, you know, I think, you know, Pascal Pascal next to Aaron Baines was just really tough to oh watch. Oh my goodness. So... I, I, I remember <laughs> remember asking in the in the two times that Aaron Baines spoke this season, I remember asking him you know, back in December, I was like, so, you know, the three-point shot for you hasn't really translated yet, but we know you can shoot that shot. You know, when you're working with Pascal and stuff, like, have you thought, has that changed your role? Do you got a space to floor more? And I, I feel like the only reason I asked that was I was trying to tell them, like, yo, stop being in the lane. <laughs> but, um, no, seriously, though. Yeah, no, yeah, and, and even, like, Kyle out. being able to just run, pick, and roll with, uh-huh. with, with the center, you know, that was really refreshing to see. But, again, 
I feel like some of that we do have to, you know, remember it's kind of reactionary. Like, but, but, you know, I definitely want Kem back. You know, we'll bump him up to the A minus because he also brought, um, you know, his mom, Wendy's uh, Courtside Moms podcast, you yep. know, into the Raptors world. And great, great episode with Marie Holloway, Kyle's mom. Everybody should definitely check that out. But like, um, yeah, A minus, man. But this starts getting into the territory of, you know, assuming they bring Kem back and he's the starting center next season. It's like, are you happy with this? I guess you would. I guess you are for now, right? I think I am for now, for sure. And I think that again, to to put um, Kem's numbers into perspective, he averaged twelve points, seven point six rebounds, two assists, shot fifty five percent from the field. Um, Serge Ibaka, you know, again, this is the most direct comparison, but like in his championship season, eighteen nineteen, fifteen points per game for Serge, eight rebounds, one assist, you know, one point four blocks, fifty three percent from the field. Uh, Serge obviously shot the three more and definitely shot more jumpers, but like mm-hmm. we're talking about comparable production, which is pretty wild considering we just got him at, you know, yeah, and just then, like I don't know, I did, I never watched that much Orlando Magic games unless I was forced to, but like I never saw him as like as an interesting player there. Like I was actually no, really surprised all. after he came here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I knew he was a good defender, and I knew he you know, pro- was definitely playing out of position at power forward. I don't think he, that's his natural pl- place, but no, he, he instantly clicked. And I think it's really just like, I think the Raptors four perimeter starters, whether that's Kyle, Fred, um, you know, OG and Pascal, like those four guys, like they create so much that it's not as hard for that fifth guy to produce. You can plug a lot of those guys in and have them do the job. That's and that's part of the reasons why, like, it was really tough watching like Aaron Baines and Alex Len in that front. But, um, Kem came in and, and showed that he fits really well. And, um, yeah, I'm giving him an A for his role and for his time. He was an A here. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. joined the team midseason, obviously, normally getting traded. Gary Trent finished the year in 17 against the Raptors, averaging 16 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 1.1 steals. Shot 40% from the field and 36% from three. What are you giving Gary Trent? I'm giving him a B and that's it. Just B. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be B too. I was thinking B or B minus. You know, I think obviously he came and like, oh man, like his first 10 games was just wild. His right? first like, 10 games were A++, man. <laughs> this guy. Like plus, well, what did he have? Plus 50 or something? Plus 54? Uh, yes. Know, in one game? Yes. Um, yeah, and game, yeah. he had the game winner, obviously the career highs, you know, that huge game in OKC, you know, you know, just a breath of fresh air for the team. Uh, but then once, you know, the roster started getting shut down and you'd see him occasionally, you know, come off the bench and things like that, you know, sometimes he does strike you as a very uh, one-dimensional player, right? Uh, yep, the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know. Again, he's a hard one to evaluate because he didn't get a lot of time with like the proper lineups. Um, and the proper players that you imagine he's going to be playing with going forward. So I'm actually kind of interested to see, number one, what his price is. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume when they rested him that there was probably some kind of agreement already on on a price. I don't know, maybe. But, like, you know, I feel like I'm interested to see what they see him, you know, as, as whether it's a starter coming off the bench and also what his role is on offense. Because I don't think he has uh, as polished an offensive game as Norm where he should be this kind of off the bench gunner. Like you would want him to be more of a two-way guy and someone who maybe slots more into like the OG usage percentage 
like the old OG user percentage on offense. So I don't know. I still have some questions about him in terms of how they're going to utilize him going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, depending on whether they bring Kyle back, it is a, uh, it's going to be a big question as to whether he starts or not. But I will say his first 12 games after joining the team, he was starting on all of them, averaged 18 points per game, shot 43% from the field, shot 39% from three, you know, all those marks are quite efficient um, in his role, and he did that job quite well. And I, I have to say that, you know, Cam Birch wasn't even really integrated into the team at that point. I think that once you do have that dive threat going downhill towards the basket, there's maybe more opportunities for the shooters. So I, I don't mind him as a starter. I think the Raptors should resign him. And, um, you know, I think, you know, looking too much into the other stuff, I think, you know, obviously the inefficient games really suggest to you that he can't create the offense just yet. But I also have to say, like, yo, he doesn't even know the plays yet. Like Nick Nurse said this multiple times. He, he said he probably knows like half the playbook. So, you know, I think it's always going to impact your efficiency if you don't really know the playbook. So uh, I'm not going to be too hard on Gary here. Chris Boucher, honestly, for his role, I'm giving him an A as well. Um, wow, that's a lot of A's I'm giving out here. But what are you giving Chris? Yeah. Cause honestly, because between the, the breakout season and the, the Mary Browns commercial, like that's the A for me. Yeah, I didn't, you know, these grades make it sound like the Raptors won 50 games this season. I, 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 What's going yeah, on? All right, fine. What do you want? What what, what should Chris's grade No, it's be fine. Like? No, it's fine. I'll give, honestly, I'll give, I'll give Chris an A minus, you know, I'll roll with you. You know, I'll give right. Chris an A minus. Um, it's so weird, man. I, I these just, grades I just, are so high. I just don't want the smoke again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, these grades are these grades are hilarious, man. Right, these I'm are putting, the same I'm... grades. These are the same grades we would give the Raptors after the championship. <laughs> all right, fine. You know what? I'm gonna I'm just gonna take all the grades and bump them down one full grade. I'm gonna do a bell <laughs> yeah. curve at the end of the season. <laughs> at the end of the podcast. Yo, this is why I told you you and Assad have the uh slander pod. When I come on, it's the pander pod. <laughs> no, it really is, man. <laughs> uh no, uh no, I'll give it A minus. You know, I think. I think it's interesting. Nick talked about kind of, you know, Chris's best position is playing the four. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't envision Chris playing center. And I think, you know, it makes sense, you know, especially uh, on the defensive end um, where I think it can be a little d- difficult for him at times. But, you know, I think Chris for for his development curve, you know, this is a great season for him. And, you know, I know we'll, we'll get into the other guys, but he's really one of the few bench guys where I'm like, yeah, you know, he, he I can see him playing a permanent role going forward. Okay, I uh, just opened up his game log, and, you know, there were some very nice moments, but there are also, like, a long stretch of, like, empty moments. So I'm, I'm bumping this down to a B-plus on the fly. And, um, All right, let's do it. I'll that's unfortunate. But, yeah, you're going to go with B-plus as well? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Chris's highs were as high as anybody else's on this season, which is pretty incredible, right? I don't think anyone expected that. Um, and, of course, he did scale his production up. He had to change positions as well which I think was something that he did really well. I thought I really enjoyed his time as a power forward. Even early in the season when he was playing with Alex Len, when we were like, okay, this is how we solve the bench issue. And it's like, no, we're going to cut Alex Len and uh, <laughs> start Chris Boucher instead. But um, no, I think early in the season, his impact was phenomenal, um, especially as a bench guy. He was the only guy off the bench that produced well, which I do give him extra points for. Uh, but there were long stretches where, you know, he just didn't produce. Um, like I'm looking at a game logs here two points four points seven points five points yeah. 18 no four, he was crazy 10, hot eight. he was crazy hot to start the season yeah um and and also i think he he's probably left a better impression because remember like at one point he's he was the only guy off the bench who could score more than six points 
That was the whole season. What do you mean? <laughs> you remember? <laughs> no, well, they had Norm. Well, uh, yeah, I guess Norm nah, started. Norm, after Norm was that. giving you an inefficient eight points, man. It was. It was. I can't much. believe we had so much depth that Norm couldn't even start at the start of the season. What a stacked roster. Yeah, well, we were starting Aaron Baines instead of Norm. So <laughs> Nick Nurse was like, "Yeah, I'm, I don't care. I don't need centers. I'm good. Just give me another. Swear, just no. give me another guard." <laughs> This guy's going to give Aaron Baines a solid B. <laughs> that's what you really know. That's how you know it's that's how you know this class is a fraud. <laughs> oh god. Oh man. Damn. I'm really like what's like what's like the what's like what's a course you took at university that was like a complete like easy mark for you like just uh, like man. a history of music or something like that. I don't even know. I forgot my electives. I don't yeah. know, man. I don't yeah. remember. Uh, yeah, this was like twenty years got, ago. Now, yeah. So, yeah, it was twenty years ago. I do have my transcript some somewhere because I was a. I went off the first couple of years and then I gave up. Yeah. Well, that's, no, because I because I landed my first job two years in, but we don't need to talk about that. Okay. Damn the Sears the Sears years. No, Ernst and Young, baby. We got to get the time. Damn, right. what you were Ernst and Young at like twenty. Well, I did. I did like a yeah. I did like an intern co op okay. there, and then they they guarantee you the yeah. job, and then I basically like slacked off so hard in my third year that I almost failed my finance class. Like I just didn't go to class, and like mm-hmm. I, I was so I just thought I could wing it, and like I failed the midterm. <laughs> I was freaking out. Yeah, and then the prof was like, "Anyone who failed the midterm." Whatever grade you get on the final, that will just be your final grade. Oh, I so, loved when I love when props did that, yeah. man. But yeah, but then, yeah. then you get like mad pressure because like your your final test is like worth eighty percent of your mark. Yeah, yeah. No, your final test is literally just your grade. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that's that. No, that's that's um, that's unbelievable. But anyways, that's yeah. what we're here for. All right. Well, um, who who do I have next on the list? Freddie Gillespie. Um, yeah. I'm going to give him a solid C. And this is the first C I have. I think obviously relative to his role, it's fine. I mean, I, I think Nick really likes him. He said a lot of nice things about Freddie Gillespie, and I think he'll probably stay. But I think after the first little bit, I think he was one of those guys where you're like, you know what? How good really is he? Um, and I think offensively, yeah. that's not the way to judge him. I think it's more about rebounding and, 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 and rim contest. And I think he did a decent job on that front. But he also just seemed kind of limited. Like, in a lot of these late games, right, he was playing, like, 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes. And I'll say, you know, two center lineups, three center lineups, obviously you're not going to get the best looks. But, like, he's getting, like, four shots off in 30 minutes. That's that's a concern. So, for me, I'm giving him a C. Honestly, if you want to put the Miley Cyrus thing as a C+, I, I'm, I'm cool with it, but, you know, that's, you know. Yeah. What, no, what let's, let's, go, let's go with the C. You know, I'm with you. You know, I think – you know, Freddie, great personality, you know, all of that stuff. You know, I thought it was, it was really cool when uh, Vivek asked him about what was it like the defensive schemes against the Knicks. Oh yeah. And he was like asking Raptors PR, if he could actually talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause this man's literally just trying to lock down an NBA job and he didn't want to mess anything up. Yeah. But like, and, but like you see where the, the, the curve is in terms of the skill development, like on, on a really good team, Freddie would not play. No. So if if the Raptors want to be a really good team, um, and you know he's his, I know his contract's not guaranteed for next season, but like he would be a tenth, eleventh, twelfth guy, or maybe be in the nine hundred five. Yeah, I think so. Um, he just needs a lot more skill development, as you mentioned. I, I did like the defense. He had some very very emphatic blocks. Um, Cousins, Zubac, John Morant. Yeah. 
the end of the season, someone in Indiana tried to dunk and he, he blocked him too. But yeah, those blocks are amazing. Uh, I think fun, we're just yeah. getting to the point now where these guys, it's like we got to think about it. it's like, yo, the Raptors have too many tenth and eleventh men. Well, C's gonna look pretty good because the rest of us, most of these guys, are getting C's or under. Uh, Utah Watanabe. You know what? As much as I love Utah, I'm giving him a C plus. Yeah, I don't see anyone else on this rest of this list that we're gonna do getting higher than a C. That's fair. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna give him, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give him a C plus. Um, you know, I think was it Nick said that he he wants his shot to get better, right? You know, I think Utah just he just strikes me as a guy who could be better on the offensive end. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just his size and speed. Like it just feels like there should be a better offensive game there. Yeah. Which, you know, he did slightly showcase. And I mean, that's, I mean, that seriously, very, very slightly because the last 21 games of the year, he played, you know, uh, more than 10 minutes in every single one of those games. You can't look at his overall season numbers. Cause like he obviously like had tons of games where he played like two minutes. Um, so it's going to break down his average. But the last 21 games, he played 19 minutes per game. He, he had, you know, scored seven points on 50% shooting, 42% from three. That's good. Like, that is actually pretty good. Um, but if you're playing that many minutes in those meaning, meaningless games, like, I'm expecting you to put up, like, Jalen Harris numbers, man. Yeah. And he really only had that one game where he scored 21. I mean, really, it's, it's about his two-way production. I think defensively, his hustle and effort was always really good. And that earned him a spot sure. on the roster. But, um yeah, I think but again, on a really good team, sure. on a really good team right now, Utah's going to be your ninth or tenth guy, eleventh guy. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, that's true. I'm going to put C plus plus for for him. Um, and actually, I forgot if we we still got Malachi and Jalen, so we got so we got some more A pluses to hand. Up. Well, all right. Well, Malachi Flynn, that's the next guy on my list, man. We are we going to get Malachi? Oh, by the way, at this at, at this point, we're almost at we're at the key. I forgot to say the keeper, the cut thing. To, to be honest, the first few: Kyle, Fred, Pascal, OG, Kem. Gary, Chris, I think those guys are all keeps, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I, yeah, I think that should be the rotation, really. Um, Freddie Gillespie, is that a keep for you? Um, what's what's the middle one? Like, it doesn't, okay, it doesn't matter. This. I don't care if they keep or cut. Keep until training camp next, like a training camp invite, but no guarantee for the next season. That's kind of the yeah. Between. Okay, Fre- Freddie training camp invite. Okay, so he's the okay. Yeah, he's he's the middle. Okay, so he's Utah? the middle. Yeah. Uh, Utah, I think the middle too. To be honest, okay, uh, that's fair. No, these these that's the, these are all fair. Um, okay, Malachi Flynn, we're getting to uh... Malachi Flynn. I'm gonna give a B. I'm gonna give him a B. You know, I just feel a like B. okay, he, he really came on strong towards the end of the season. Um, you know what? I'll make it a B plus. Um, you know, I thought he was really impressive towards the end of the season. Maybe I'm just penalizing him. Um, because and it's not his fault. He was like bouncing back and forth and didn't really get into the rotation. Remember when they flew him from the G League bubble to Milwaukee oh, to play that, one minute? That was an all-time moment of the season, actually. Um, <laughs> and he and he wasn't was offered no, any food. He there's no food on the private jet, bro. That's I, when Masai was like, "Yo, Masai was like, yo, I'm gonna need to make these demands to MLSC next season. I can't um, have my players have, starve we, on the plane. <laughs> we can't have a." private jet but not any dasani water oh uh, no but like oh, um, i'm telling you malachi Flynn yeah, had basically yeah. my journey from china to, to canada like it was like all i yes. had was like 16 yeah. seven ups yeah on the yeah. flight his pants were ripped yeah his pants yeah, were relax, ripped. relax, oh, no. relax chill. Chill. <laughs> no but like no um man the more <laughs> i talk about flynn the more i want to just keep bumping the grade up because Why? i i don't know because he actually was pretty impressive towards the end of the season like Okay. You could see him as a rotation player, no? 
Like like yeah. for for a twenty what was it twenty what was it twenty ninth twenty ninth pick twenty ninth pick you know I think for twenty ninth pick yeah. he did really well even for just a rookie standard he did really really well um, I, yeah. I do I think like that the like, confidence I like the confidence and the composure he has man that, and that's fair and again I think the best case for him is like the last twenty four games of the season from uh, April onward. He averaged 12.5 points, four rebounds, 4.5 assists, kept his turnovers low, three uh, three to one turnover ratio, assist to turnover ratio, uh, shot 40% from the field, which is a little bit low, but he did shoot 37% from three. Uh, so that's 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 all good. And he did have some pretty big moments in the fourth quarter as well. But I think there is a consistency point with him that I think you do expect to see a little bit more out of. Like if he's going to be a backup point yeah. guard, I really do need to see that to be even more consistent. I'm not expecting a backup point guard to be like, you know, Chris Paul every single night. But like, I think I do expect some level of like um, playmaking where there were some games and for some stretches where he would come in and just not be able to play make for quite some time. And then you'll have spurts where he can like really pop off and score and set people up and defend and everything like that. Um, But you know that, and then also just like the first, like, I don't know, bit of the season. I mean, it's hard to judge a rookie based on this year, but I mean, the first 23 games of the year, he averaged two points per game, man. No, he was terrible at the start of the year. I remember yeah. he looked great and he looked great in preseason. Didn't he didn't he cook Lamelo ball in one of the games? Yeah, um, and some people like, said like that he, he played was, well. He was better than Lamelo. Yeah, and then and then he had um and then he had all this hype coming into the, into the season, and when when Nick finally dusted him off the bench, like he didn't make an impact at all. But I feel like I judge the rookies a lot easier, maybe. Okay, just because you know you talk about the consistency and all that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. But I also like. I don't know. I just don't expect that from him right now. And maybe, you know, if, if Kyle is here, if, if, if Kyle is not here next season, then, you know, maybe that's something that we, we want out of him when he takes on a bigger role. But I don't know. That's another guy I feel like should go to the 905, you know, if the world gets normal again. Like he well, should just run 905 for like half a season. Luckily, they have summer league. So that's nice. Um, they yeah. just announced they're going to do summer league in, in, in August. So. Malachi and Jalen Harris and uh, Freddie Gillespie, man. That's got to be a championship team in a summer league setting, plus whoever they get in the lottery pick. Um, that's not bad, honestly. I'm actually really looking forward to summer league. I'm, I'm down horrendously right now. Uh, wow. Okay, fine. You've, you've talked- really hyping up the Vegas championship odds. Uh, that's a pretty stacked team, though, to be honest. Bro, what, that's what I'm saying. This could be like the year they have Fred and, and Pascal and, and, and Jakob. No, it's not like that at all. Um, man. I'm gonna come on. You've talked me into a B for Malachi. This is on a this is on a curve level B. But uh, what, what do you give me, Malachi again? What'd you settle in B plus? I'll give him a B plus. Yeah, B plus. Wow, damn. Yo, I just think for 29 pick, like even if he turns into a rotation player, like that's pretty good, man. All right, but I mean, you could say like Utah for an undrafted guy, like you know, like ultimately, no, after, people after have that said point, that. I, I don't need to push that narrative. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, Jalen Harris, our guy. Yeah, so uh, A plus honor roll, <laughs> um, you know, girl. top of the class valedictorian. Um, what else do what else do <laughs> oh, the good kids get? Yeah. This, this, the valedictorian speech from Jalen Harris is gonna be great, man. It's just we the North. Yeah, he just says it's, we the North. And yes, uh, sir. Yeah, no, we the North has has gone mainstream. You know, this man honestly just deserves, um, you know, uh, an A grade. I don't know what I'm actually gonna give him. Like, I don't know. I it's it's hard. A- it's an incomplete. It's an incomplete. He didn't play. He just didn't play. Yeah, like, it's hard to. He played like nine games in the G League. But he cooked Luka Doncic, though. I feel like that's worthy of a B. (laughs) You know what? To be (laughs) honest, based on the way we've been grading these guys, (laughs) it might be worth a B. I don't know. No, let's go. Let's go incomplete. No, I'm I'm with you on that. But again, for a 59th pick, I don't know. Not bad. You know, out of these guys, bench guys, like 
uh, Malachi and, and Jalen are the ones that I'm probably most excited to, to see how they develop. Like, it does seem like there's potential there, but I don't know. Like, what happened to Dewan Hernandez? He was around and then he was gone. Like, yeah, he was, in the Raptors G- he was in the Raptors G League um, team this this past year in the yeah. bubble, and he came off the bench. But Jalen, yeah. I don't know, man. Jalen has a nice offensive game, man. He He's, does, yeah. He probably needs to get his weight up, you know, real skinny. Yeah. Um, but, like, man. Like, I don't know, man. He's he's nice. I'm going to read you his per 36 numbers. You ready for this? Goodness. Yeah. Down 20, horrendously. <laughs> 20 points, four <laughs> rebounds, four assists, two steals, 50% from the field, 47% so from Beal. three, and 78% from the free throw line. Um I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> no, he's 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 got a he's got a he's got a nice offensive game, man. For yeah. for someone like you know at, at at his point of his career, but again, another guy that like you know let's get him on let's get him on like 905 for like you know half a season a season see where he goes. Um. Yeah, my only concern with Jalen was that is he a guy who's gonna be injury prone because he did get hurt for like three separate times in the year. Um. And to your point about the physicality, I think like there is a certain level of physicality it takes to play in the NBA. I don't want to hang that label on him. That's like very unfair at this point. It's just something I put as an open question. But for me, he's you know, I mean, Malachi, we, we're we're obviously keeping Jalen. For me, is still like a middle, like just like Utah and 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 Freddie. Like these guys are coming into training camp. But yeah, not I just necessarily feel like... a full guarantee for a roster spot just yet. Yeah, no, I I would go keep and obviously okay. super bias just just because okay. he's extended the We the North brand for another decade now. Okay, fair enough. Um, but but yeah, no, I'm with you. But I think you know if you compare him to like Freddie or Utah, you know I I, I feel like there's a higher ceiling. But we're talking about like and the bench guys right now. Uh, speaking of end the bench guys right now, um, Stanley Johnson. Uh, yeah, I don't know. C minus. Yeah. I, yeah. I think C minus is the fair grade. I think if you look at his impact metrics, they're really poor. And, you know, I think that as much as like on off numbers, aren't all about one guy. When you look at the end of the season and who was like the very, very bottom at plus minus, it's like him and Aaron Baines. So I think on that front, but I do think it's one of those things where the eye test to me, it did seem like he was making a really big impact offensively. And I valued that a lot. Um, and, and Nick Nurse did play him in some big moments um, this season. Uh, you know, early in the year, he was in the rotation, kind of, as that, like, 10th guy. So I don't really see why, like, for example, like, Stanley should have that much lower of a grade than Utah. I think Utah can shoot the three. But I think, honestly, Stanley might have made more threes this season than Utah, which is, you know, listen, if, if you've made less threes than Stanley, then, like, I, you know, how much can we really buy into the shooting? But, um yeah, Stanley made 45 threes this year and Utah made 36. That's Yeah, no, I think yeah. I think that's fair and and that's why um that's why I never trust grades, you know. Don't don't let grades define who you are. No, but I think I'm probably grading Stanley for the fact that for for probably just like his career compared to like his lottery position and like the fact that I mean, from the time he's come here to Toronto like 2 years later now, you know, nothing's changed in terms of how I feel about him as a player, right? That's fair. Like, yeah, it's not it's not something where I'm like, oh, we saw a lot of different things where it feels like he could be part of the future because he's super young. <laughs> I mean, timeline wise, from an age perspective, he fits the timeline, but skill wise, no, right? He did say in his own exit interview that he's only he's still only 24, which is uh... yeah, it's really wild. This man guarded. Le- he was the LeBron stopper when LeBron was on the Cavs, right? Yeah, like 2016. It's wild. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, he had he had some nice moments for sure, and he had some really nice pressers. But I think anything above C minus is is too generous. Uh, DeAndre Bembry. DeAndre Bembry, I give a C. You know, I think okay. I think Bembry for me is the same. Like you know, I watch him play a little bit in Atlanta. Um, you know, I like the energy that he brings, and he's got all these like quirky moves. I feel like on yep. offense that sometimes works, um, but. Again, he's another guy where it's like I don't know. I don't know if anything's changed from what I've seen since he joined the Raptors. Like he, kind of is just who he is. Like, mm-hmm. can he play big minutes on a really good team? I don't think so. Yeah, and and that's why I doubt it too. I think yeah. I mean, to your point, he has almost the exact same numbers as last year in Atlanta. I think one thing he did do better was he did a better job of finishing at the basket. I was legitimately impressed with his ability to finish there and did play well with other guys and he came in guarded, you know, honestly had some games where he really stepped up as like a point guard kind of situation, but yeah, realistically, I, you know, on the, on the whole, on, in terms of the impact, I'm going to give him a C plus because I do feel like he's like on par with Utah in terms of like that level of impact. But I think one thing for Deandre is just like the turnovers were really, really strange at the end of the year. He did a really good job of being like playing within himself. And then end of the season came obviously like more, pressure on him to create and then he just would have these big turnover games which when i mean big turnover games it just felt like a lot of these were like unnecessary turnovers like he had like a four turnover game a five turnover game another four some threes like it's like you know if, if you are going to be a useful secondary ball handler like you're going to need to take care of the ball a little bit better too and i do i am also judging a lot of these guys not based on how they played the whole year but also based on specific moments where they were needed the most like when the raptors had all those guys down to COVID. And, and I think, you know, um, he got put into the protocol as well. I don't know if he actually had it or not, but like in those moments, he didn't really step up, right? Like there were games like against Chicago where the Raptors had like nobody over mm-hmm. five, zero points, right? Like uh, Boston, two of six, you know, four points, Detroit, you know, 27. Yeah, that's all I'm saying though. With guys like, yeah. With guys like DeAndre Stanley and Utah, like, you know, you only really need like one of those guys on a team like this. That's the thing. We did have a lot of these guys, which speaking of which, we didn't actually say we're, we're going to keep Stanley or not. To be honest, I'm probably saying cut. Yeah, no, same for uh, me. Yeah. And, and then Bembry? Uh, Bembry, because they can guarantee his contract, right? I, yeah, he's honestly, like two, I would say it's like two mil next year. I would say, I would say tr- like the middle, like training camp invite thing. Okay. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I think that, I think that's fair. That's where I'm going to stay as well. Honestly, uh, if his, his contract is for like what less than two mil, like I don't know. Actually, I'll just say keep. Like, I well, I mean, know, this is one of those like things where the they can't the they can't just bring him into the training camp and then kind of decide. Like, right? Like they have to, to guarantee it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm you probably leaning keep. keep. You know what? I'm gonna good go vibes. Good, good vibes outfits. too. Good vibes. Yeah. Good outfits. <laughs> I love how we just resort to good vibes now. It's so oh, tough. This is tough. All right, Paul Watson. Um, I don't know, man. You start with this one. Um, well, first off, you know, the other day I was doing the last react pod and I was like, who, you know, the rappers had all these, these guys who scored 30 and I listed everybody easily. Oh, you forgot one guy. It was Paul Watson. Yeah. And that's kind of like, it was a little easy to forget about Paul. I think because he's so quiet, he rarely plays. Um, so he ended up playing 300 minutes. It was fine ish. Uh, I would say he basically had like the Malcolm Miller role and, you know, he was more productive than Malcolm was in that role. But, like, you know, I, I don't think this affected the bottom line here or there. It wasn't like he, like, popped offensively. Obviously, he had that one game. But, you know, it still didn't feel like, can he take it to the basket? Is it is, is he going to be a great defender? 
I, I don't really know what his path at the moment is specifically to getting into a rotation consistently. I do like a lot of the tools there. Maybe I can see him becoming an, a, you know, a reliable three point shooter. I can see him becoming a guy who um, guards well, cause he's big and he's pretty quick for his, his size, but um I don't know. He's just a guy who, when he when he plays, a lot of times you don't notice him out there, except for that one time he had uh, 30, and then he didn't play the rest of the season, basically. So yeah, I'm I mean, giving could, him a, I'm probably giving him a D, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you could even give him an incomplete. Like, 300 minutes, that's like nothing, right? It's it's not a lot, for sure. Um, and I, it's really a shame that he did, you know, um, get hurt at the end of the season, because I think he would have been one of those guys that would have played a ton of minutes. That could have yeah. gotten a better chance. No, he's he's another guy that's like, to me, he's like an end of bench slash nine hundred five guy. So yeah. I don't really have too much to say about him. Okay, what, so you're getting him incomplete. That's fair. Are you keeping him? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm cool with either. <laughs> Training cam invite. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna invite I'm, everyone back. Just... Cut just seems so harsh, you know. I know, I know. Yeah. It's, it's really, really sad. But it, yeah. it is what wow, it is. if we ran the team, we would really just run this team back. <laughs> oh God, this is why we call it running back. This is terrible. Uh, Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's got to be an incomplete man. This guy barely played. Um, nah, nah, yeah, I'm, I'm giving and, an F. And, I'm sorry, it's an F for me, dog. Oh wow, okay, okay. It's not, it's wow. not even just incomplete. No, that, I, that's that feels unfair. It, it's a, it's an F. Wow. I mean. I, I mean, for me, it's like, I mean, we can talk about it if you want, but, like, I don't see the point just because, like, he's not coming back. Like, he's not going to be part of no, the team. No, he's not future. coming back. No. Yeah. yeah. So, shouts, shouts to Rodney. Um, yeah. No, I, he seemed like a really great guy, and I think his most memorable moment was when um, <laughs> when Blake, uh, Blake Murphy asked him in the, in the, uh, the media call if he knew Paramore, um, Haley Williams from Paramore. Oh yeah, 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 they were neighbors or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, but he didn't even give a good answer to this that. Is, so it's an F this is down bad, man. All right, who's next? Oh, he he's cut though. He's he's cut. He's cut. And it's nothing yeah, against yeah. him. It just didn't. Yeah, it didn't really. I, I I think he was only in the deal to make the the money work. Aaron Baines for sure. Uh, Aaron Baines, I guess it would be an F, right? What do you, you mean? Know, you guess? Yeah. No, um, it's an F. I don't know. I just yeah, it's an F. It's F minus. Um, is there F minuses? There's no point, yeah. man. F is, you know, below yeah, 50. Geez, At that point, there's, there's no point. G minus? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, no. This guy no, listen, a man. musical I... theory on the guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a G flat, yo. <laughs> Come on, man. No, I think, you know, everything's been said about Baines. And, you know, I don't think we, we don't need, need to, to harp on it. Pile on. Yeah. No, exactly. we don't need to harp on it. I don't, we don't need to pile on. And, you know, I think, you know, I think Masai said it best. You know, he didn't mention him by name, but he said it was a misfit. And, you know, yep. the way that they they looked at the center position, um, they probably looked at it wrong in terms of who they were going to bring in. And the thing, I think the, the reason why it's an F is because it just didn't work right from the very start. Like, it yeah. wasn't like things fell off after a while. He showed glimpses. Um, I think that's just where Baines was at this point in, in his career, is is that he is really at, at the tail end of his career. Yeah, and he just was not a starting caliber center, or or maybe even a rotation player anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was apparent from the very beginning. And a lot of things sunk this team. But you know, if Kem Birch was with the Raptors at the start of the season, and if the Raptors didn't have COVID and go one and thirteen in March, yeah, yeah they're yeah. probably the sixth seed. We probably look at the team the same way evaluation wise. 
you know, I don't think it changes the evaluation of the team, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, do, do you know how many games of the season until Baines got benched? Uh, like bench bench, like completely DMP. Yep. I don't know, man. 50. He got benched in his eighth game. He started the first seven. The last oh, two right, games. There, right. Right. He disappeared for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. He got benched yeah, for yeah. straight games for Air, for Alex Len. Yeah. And, and then, then Alex Len got Len. cut. Yeah. 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 And then he came back and then Nick finally went small against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, that's that's going to be all-time worst signings, man. It's, it's it's really up there. Um, it's unfortunate. And again, I don't want to pile on a guy. It's just like I was doing the, the no. rack pod and I was giving him some like stars at the end of the season because he did have some nice moments there. And I realized when I looked at the the the, the, the you know game log for the first time that his he got his second double double in the seventy second game of the year. Yeah, I mean it was starting just frustrating. Seven, like you know, the rebounding was just not there. And for me, it's just a trickle down effect on the rest of the guys like mm-hmm. Pascal. You know, even like Kyle and Fred, like playing with him. The Raptors are fighting themselves. They're fighting their own starting lineup. Like you can't win games like that. I don't care if you're in Toronto or Tampa. Yeah, it's un- it's, it's unfortunate. Um, okay, we're gonna rapid fire through just the last three names because they're gone, and there are other players who have gone, but I don't really care to evaluate any of them. Uh, Matt Thomas, I need your comment on Matt Thomas. Matt Thomas this season. What, what was your favorite Matt Thomas memory of the 2021 Raptors? Oh man, was there one? Can you remind me? Uh, Corey actually... Joseph crossing him up on back-to-back possessions. Goodness, yeah, I think that's <laughs> I think that's when Nick officially excised him from the rotation. To be honest, um, because yeah, at no, the start I... of the season, you remember preseason, Nick was like talking about Matt Thomas. He said Matt was locked about... into a spot. Yeah, Nick always says that. <laughs> Nick, bro, don't 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 promise things, man. Don't be like us on this thing. No, you know, honestly, I think <laughs> I think there was some excitement about. Matt Thomas coming into the season, like being a rotation guy. Mm. And that just vanished really quickly. You know, obviously they moved him at the deadline and I don't know. I don't know if there's anything that more needs to be said. I think, I think just at this level, it's hard for him to, to get a lot of minutes on the defensive end uh, because of how he plays on the defensive end. It's kind of a shame because, you know, I know we talk about the, the, the shooting percentage and, you know, the 99% and all of that, but like, I don't know, man, he is, you know, the Raptors got into these offensive ruts all year. You know, that's the type of shooter you want coming off the bench. But it's just hard to play him when he's giving away the points back on the other end. right? Yeah. And realistically, he didn't come in and, and have that sort of game-changing. No, impact. he did. Yeah, and and he did. so that's, yeah. you know, that's that's the thing. And when he went to Utah, like, you know, he's playing 19 games there, average seven minutes per game. Yeah. He shot 25% from three. Obviously, we know that's not accurate, but like he hasn't really impacted the game there either. And this is a Utah team that had Donovan Mitchell and, you know, um, and Mike Conley out. So there were more minutes at guard available, but they just didn't turn it to him. So I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't know why they used the second round pick to get Matt Thomas, but maybe they see him as a project for next year. In any case, though, we like Matt a lot. The propaganda was fun, but there was nothing to propagandize about this season, man. Yeah, no, I was telling you too, we need, um, you know, I know you got the Gerald Henderson Award. We need some kind of annual award. I guess maybe we can name it after Matt Thomas because he was the first um, in terms of just the annual kind of propaganda player. You know, last year mm. it was Matt Thomas. This yep. year it was Jalen Harris. Um, you know, I don't know who it will be next year. I can't wait to find out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's going to be tough, man. 
to be honest, I kind of wanted to take that position for Utah because at the start of the season, he said he wanted to bring a rice cooker to uh, to Florida. Which <laughs> the thing with Utah, like Utah, already has such a huge fan base. That's like, true. Like yeah, it's all right. about it's all about finding guys and building the fan base up for them. Yeah, you're basically just collecting jerseys for Coachella 2030, which is coming up <laughs> coming up soon. Actually, I don't know, man. You're gonna have to. Yo, you, man. You, yeah, I know. It's uh it's coming up just like my 40th birthday. That's not this year. Uh no, but like um yeah, I don't know, man. If if my Raptors 905 contact is is listening, I'm still waiting for that game worn Jalen Harris jersey. Hit me up. Let's do this. Oh, word. <laughs> word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were sending jerseys back from the bubble and and we had some conversations about me acquiring one. But wow. Damn. We'll figure it out. Well, I'd love to see that. All right. Um <laughs> Alex Len. Goodness. Are we even grading these guys? I'm giving all these guys incomplete. Oh, no, no. These are not grades. These are not grades. I just wanted your final We're just talking about them. Alex Len, I think he was like a minus 12 the other day in the play-in game in like 11 minutes. Um, So (laughs) shout out to Alex Len. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I don't know. The most memorable moment, obviously, hitting those three three three-pointers against the New York Knicks. Mm -hmm. Um, And also saying that there was some issues in the locker room (laughs) and then just getting cut after. Yep. Yep. That was unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you want to guess how many total points he scored this season for the Raptors? 70? Is that too high? <laughs> 16. Oh my god, okay. Wow. wow, okay, way too high. 16 yeah. total points. That's for the not Raptors. possible. He must have had 15 of those against the Knicks. Uh, that's correct. He did. Um, well, he didn't have 15, but he had... Well, we know he hit the three threes. Let me just... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I gotta nine. know this, man. That's 11. He had 11 of those. He, but and he scored he had, 16 he had total five points. points otherwise yeah five points otherwise <laughs> yeah oh, it was man. a it was a tough year for for a lot of guys uh and alex didn't fit um but he did say though his his goal was to make the playoffs he's one of these like rare guys who's never made the playoffs before and preseason yeah, he's been on a saying, lot of bad teams man he was like yo i'm so excited to come to the raptors you know what can finally go to the playoffs and turns out he went to the playoffs without the raptors so congratulations <laughs> To Alex Len. All right, last Tender one. Ass Menders. Yeah. Henry Ellenson. Come on, man. Uh, my nephew's favorite player. You know, if you guys don't <laughs> oh, know, yeah, I took right. my nephews before the pandemic. I took my nephews to a Raptors 905 game. You know, they're pretty young, so they obviously don't understand the difference <laughs> oh, between God. the Raptors and Raptors 905. So they thought they were at a Raptors game. Um, and then uh, my younger nephew looks to me when Henry Allenson was being introduced in the starting lineup. Uh, what's what's the place in Mississauga that they play out of? Uh, <laughs> the, par- the Paramount, Paramount Fine. Fine Foods. Yeah. yeah. And and my, my nephew was like, where's Spicy P? I'm like, yo, just just don't worry about it. And, and then Henry Allenson became their favorite player. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I remember oh. Henry. They were hyping him up on the broadcast in the OKC game. I remember. Like, this guy's got a nice little pick and pop jumper. I was like, what am I doing with my life? That's uh, I mean, look, I'm happy for Henry because he got the chance to to play and he got the call up because he did play really well for the 905. He was the 905's best player, like legitimately, he was like Jokic at that level. Um, but when he came up to the Raptors, it just didn't really pan out. Clearly, obviously, on a 10 day deal, you're not really going to do that much and make that much of an impression. Yeah. But I have to ask you this question: Who scored more points for the Raptors this year, Alex Len or Henry Ellenson? Len. Len by one point. Henry scored wow. 15 in, in his two games. Alex was at 16. Um, Henry did – he did out-rebound Alex, though, 12 to 11. 
and had more assists you five must, to three. You, you definitely, I know you definitely have a solid uh, listenership base if, if you're pulling content like this, man. Come on. <laughs> I know this is this is arrogance on my part. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. No, it's a tough, here? it was a tough year, man. It was a tough year. But this listen. guy's doing Ellenson versus Len trivia. <laughs> Who asked for this? <laughs> Oh, if anyone's listening at this point of the season, it's it's uh, or at this point in the podcast, you know, just uh, yeah, we, we love ready, you guys. Man. Get ready, another hour to go. Yeah. Well, Alex, um, <laughs> this is the point of the pod where I got to ask you about things outside of basketball. <laughs> okay, first yeah, off, how's your book good. going, man? When, when's your book coming? Like for real? Like we we want I want to actually oh, yeah. want to read that. No, book. no, we can't talk about my book. So I'm in a weird spot where like I, I finished my manuscript last month. Um, I'm working at working on kind of finalizing it. You know, I've got a editors uh, you know at the publisher looking through it fact checkers things like that so we're going to go through different rounds of edits um you know early feedback i did i did i did get an email from my editor the other day he said uh the book is great so far you should be really proud of what you put together um so that's that's just what i'm gonna live by yeah (laughs) wait what wait wait well hold on what is that not a good thing no yeah no no it's great it's great but it's 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 just one person's opinion no listen it's weird man i spent a year working on this and it's like um it's like now i get to share with the world you know it's gonna be released in october mm-hmm. so don't worry man the media push is coming you know me okay um, all right that the media push is, is gonna come you know over the summer and towards october um so yeah no excited to share more details then we don't need to talk about it now still okay. too early i can't wait for you to go on the yeah. low post and advocate for us yeah to yeah, be, yeah. Uh, the new yeah, Car- zach, korean you gotta, zach you gotta there. answer my, my my email zach doesn't check his gmail anymore um that's fair to be honest i emailed him yeah. two years ago and it has not happened but you know listen people have, <laughs> people have things to do and honestly i have a lot of unanswered deal with myself so yo zach zach low og uh og steven lebron radio i was gonna say bro he's been on your podcast come on man yeah <laughs> no no well, me and zach me and zach are cool yeah yep. shouts to zach I'll, I'll i'll name drop for clout yeah. no I, I, my 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 one zach low story uh, i mean I'll, he, he did shout me out once but like my my one Zach Lowe's story was I was in um, Oracle Arena and in the back area where they had set a bunch of tables for like obviously hundreds of press and stuff like that and we're eating like the free media meals you know obviously Alex you know I, I ate a second one for you obviously in your honor okay just can't, just can't turn down chili all right yo once again man yo if you're listening to this content still honestly just add, add me and will on twitter man i want to know who these people are yo let us know what you thought i should give us a grade please we you know we no, just let me know because, great yeah, us, yeah, great no grade us grade us i mean if it's a bad grade i'll mute you like it's yeah. whatever yeah. um you know but yeah no shouts no but but your zach lowe story what's up yeah, so we we're, were like, I was like eating the media meal and I was sitting down on my laptop, probably trying to work on some things, you know, whatever. And then uh, Zach Lowe just sits down beside me. And I was like, oh shit, that's Zach Lowe. And then I don't know, man, like I don't really get starstruck like over the course of this, like playoff, like the championship run, you run into people. Like I sat beside Stephen A. Smith, that was real cool. He was just like sitting pregame, eating it, getting someone to get him a hamburger. And he was just like on his iPad watching Mission Impossible. And I'm like, <laughs> this guy is that's hilarious. A G, man. No, that was a, that's a G move. It really is. Um, no, but like, you know, running, like, you know, I was like very close to Drake, you know, things like this, like not in like personally, just like proximity wise, you know, like, and none of that really like starstruck me, but for some reason, Zach Lowe sitting beside me eating like a bowl of chili while on a phone call was just like, holy crap. And like, it literally went on for 30 minutes. And the whole time I was like, 
I should talk to him. I should say something. I should just be like, yo, Zach, you know, <laughs> yo, come on. I'm Will. How you are know, you fanning fan. this hard, man? And for 30 minutes. And then this man just, like, finished his food finally and left. And I was like, fuck. I didn't. I, I can't believe yeah, I did. Yeah. Just no, say Zach, hi. No, Zach, Zach knows your work. You know, he's called uh, you the great Will Lou before. Um, you know, I think. I think one of the things I got to tell Zach, you know, I had a chance to meet Zach when I, when I lived in New York and just obviously connect with him when we did our podcast. Um, and, and we've, you know, whenever I bump into the arena, it's good to catch up with him. But like, I got to tell him next time, like when he does those, you know, those annual Christmas uh, Raptors catch up pods, cause he's got family, he's got family yeah. um, uh, here in Toronto. So he comes back, you know, me and you got to get on one of those, man. Wow. Come on. We're man. just openly like, like advocating against Eric. Shouts to Kareem. Yo, listen, man, it's Asian Heritage Month. You know, you oh, got to wow, know okay. your worth. Wow. You got to know your talent. You got to know your <laughs> value. Um, so, so why would you, you know, I would put your resume and stack your basketball knowledge out there with anyone else's. Wow. Um, I'm officially your agent. You know this, you know, I'm mm. Rich Paul. Yep. You know, you call me Rich Brian, but it's fine. <laughs> I really hate it when you call me Rich <laughs> nah, Brian. Nah, you're Rich Brian, bro. <laughs> no but like at least i didn't no, give man. you the pre-name no, no. change man you know, actually i got a crazy zach story you know because i went to i went to croatia this was probably like i don't know like eight years ago yeah and zach actually sent me like all the places to check out because that's where oh wow uh, his wife is from nice yeah, yeah yeah and i remember he like jokingly gave me the address to like his in-laws place and i was actually live like staying in that area so i like took a photo of his in-laws place and sent it to him and freaked him out <laughs> <laughs> nah maybe that's this, why, this he is why he's not answering emails, emails bro. Yeah, it's all making sense <laughs> no but zach's like an honorary uh, uh toronto man he's he's really an yeah, honorary yes, toronto yes, man yes yeah yeah and that's why it's funny when people from toronto get mad at zach i'm like yo zach it shows us a lot of love in proportion to yeah we, we have to stop we gotta stop getting so mad at at, at at american media man like i don't know I don't know. That's another conversation. Let's save that podcast for another okay. day. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we're going to need a lot of running back content in the offseason. I can't believe we burned our whole Zach Lowe episode, apparently. <laughs> yeah. What else, man? What else? Jeremy uh, Lin apparently kind oh, of yeah, announced his right. retirement. Yeah. So watch running back next week when we repeat this conversation, but let's have it now. Um, yeah. No. Okay. Look, I totally understand why he didn't get called up. Like, it, it's, you know, he's 32. Like, you know, most guys in the G League are. Uh, younger obviously uh, he might have been the oldest guy in, well that's not true actually they had the select team so there was like amir johnson and jared jack were in there but um i understand why he didn't get called up but i also understand what his frustration is because he decided to leave the cba he wanted to come to get another chance in the nba no one signed him in the offseason which is fine didn't get a training camp deal which is you know okay it's fine but like you know, I think he said that a lot of executives told him, yo, we really like your game, but we want to know two things. We want to know if you're still healthy and we want to know if you can shoot. Right. And so he's like, all right. So if you, their, their, their advice was go to the G league and show that. And he did show that like his jumper was like way better than at any other point. Um, and to his point, like he was, he, so he finished like seventh in the, in the G league in, in shooting in, or in scoring. And like, the top 12 guys in the G League who, who in scoring all got called up. Like every single one of them got called up except for Jeremy. Now, of course, those guys are younger. Some of those guys already had contracts, you know, whatever, but like, or they're on two ways or whatever. But I just feel bad for Jeremy in that sense because I feel like he just wasted his time. You know what I mean? Like he showed he could shoot. He showed he was healthy. He showed he could still produce. And he just didn't even get like a 10-day. I think even if he got a 10-day, he would have been pretty, pretty happy with it. I don't think he was asking for anything more than that, just like a chance to come back into the building and sort of like, you know, even beyond the money for him, it was sort of like maybe a personal sort of journey to sort of get back if he could. 
And uh, that just didn't happen for him. So I'm, I'm a little heartbroken for him just on that front. I know, like, as, as Raptor fans, like, we know Jeremy is, like, you know, um, disappointing based on the, the buyout situation that happened. But, like, I, as I say multiple times, like, Jeremy, before he came to Toronto that year, was a – first off, he was a premium buyout guy for the Raptors. Like, it was absolutely a premium guy. Averaging 11 points per game, shot 47% for the field, 33% from three. That's not great. But still, like, pretty productive guy in Atlanta – he coached the Raptors too, man. He had a he put thirty on the Raptors, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you know, it, it just didn't work out. But uh, I, I just feel bad for the guy. What, what do you think? Obviously, you're, you're Jeremy's like, you know, you, you've you've written about Jeremy as much as anybody has outside of like Pablo Torre. So, <laughs> no, I think um, I think you're right. I think part of it was just kind of a closure thing for him too, right? Yeah. Like I don't think he wants to end his NBA career. And, and you know, it's weird because obviously his last memory of the NBA is winning a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously he's talked about um, how tough that was for him personally, you know, reconciling with the fact that he won a championship, but he didn't contribute um, that the way that he wanted. So yeah, it's tough, man. I remember early in the year, remember they were trying to get, I think it was the Warriors who were going to sign yeah. him, yeah. but then the paperwork thing didn't work out. Like there was some deadline that they couldn't reach. Um, so it seemed like he was close there. I think the tough thing for Jeremy too, when he looks at it and compares to like, like you said, the other players who, who, you know, let the, let the G league in scoring is like, he's not, I, th- I think he's always been on the, on the outside of like the NBA fraternity as a whole. You know, you look at these guys, you know, kind of like, you know, LeBron's got the banana boat. Like these guys have their own clicks. Like I, I know Jeremy's, um, you know, close with Steph, you know, they work out a lot and things like that, but he's not one of those players where other players are advocating of saying like, Hey, like Jeremy needs to get back in the league. Like we need to get Jeremy a spot. Like we've seen so many roster spots go to guys. Like remember when the Knicks or whoever gave J.R. Smith's brother a spot, like Chris oh, Smith, Chris Smith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, there's been guys less, you know, qualified and deserving of getting spots that, that I find it hard that one of these franchises, you know, wouldn't, you know, give Jeremy a chance, you know, besides the fact that he could maybe still be, you know, uh, a bench player or mm. something like that. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, obviously, I think it's a more personal thing, you know, for us following him. And, and I do think I just hope he finds kind of that closure because I think it's tough for, for someone to have such a huge impact on the on the community and, you know, just just across the world um, to have that impact and grow into this like outspoken voice to to not be able to get that closure that he wants. I think it's he's an emotional guy, man. It weighs on him yeah. a lot. Yeah, and I'm only saying this on a personal level because I think you could probably make this case for a lot of other players, and I think that's probably where a lot of people tune out of this conversation is like, oh, boo, sure. like he had a long NBA career, he made money, he left, mm-hmm. he's very famous, you know, what's the big deal here? I think the big deal is just I feel for Jeremy personally, just I would just like I would feel for anybody else personally in that front as well. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I think he's done a lot, as you mentioned, for the community. So I, I really this man's don't. literally got called coronavirus in the bubble. And like, honestly, I don't know about you, but if I was him, I would not be the bigger man and like not name the person and make a bigger deal out of it like he did. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, again, what's the point? I, I think, honestly, that's the thing with canceling, canceling people. It's like, I think canceling people is fine. But like, you know, I think uh, – n- no longer associating with people, I think, is is maybe productive in some senses. But I think the ultimate goal is yeah, to change but, behaviors. And yeah, no, yeah. you're right. And it's not even about canceling people. It's just that man, like for him to like to do that, like I just can't imagine because you have to be just so angry. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, shout out to I know, Jeremy. man. Shout out to Jeremy, man. 
That's tough. You gonna write another Jeremy story for New York Times or what? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> let, let me let me pitch that again. Um, <laughs> Yo, just yeah. pitch what big just, scam. Just, just take my quotes from this conversation, please. Put into this story anyway. Big scam is when I just start writing stories I already wrote four years ago. <laughs> when it starts repeating, <laughs> oh, wait, that's already God. happening. Don't tell people. Uh, no, but um, <clears throat> what else, man? What else? This is my portion to take over. You know, um, this this is uh, really this is the right Patreon up. preview. No, watch. Uh, did you watch Nomad Land? No, I really want to though. Okay, watch yeah. it. We got to talk about that one. Okay. Did you watch Tenet? I did watch Tenet, yeah. Yo, what what the hell was the point of Tenet? Like, D-minus um, D for me. F, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you didn't enjoy it? I, thought, <laughs> I mean, it was fun to, like, look at the action just, sequences. Just, like, what was the point of that whole world? What was the point of the whole concept of, like, you know, moving backwards and forwards? Like, I just... You know, I feel like with his other movies, when he did, like, Interstellar and Inception, there was just, yeah. like, more depth to the characters. And there was just more of a deeper story behind it. Whereas this one, you just get thrown into this world and these things happen. And I'm like, I don't really care. Uh, I, I see your point and I agree with you. It was very hard to follow. And like halfway through the movie, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, really. It wasn't even hard to follow. It wasn't. Like I knew going in, like people were like, oh, this is going to be so confusing. It wasn't hard to follow. It was just more like once I understood what was going on, I was like, what's the point? I know. The, well, the, the, the basic, the storyline was kind of basic. Mm-hmm. bad guy wants to blow up the world you stop the bad guy <laughs> that's you know yeah. what i mean like but that's, that's what i'm saying and then you really introduce all these like from. scientific concepts that and i read that like he spent like a decade coming up with this and i'm like come on, bro man come on man this guy read a <laughs> this guy read a grade 11 physics textbook on entropy and uh and, and applied all those themes he's like that oh, man's got one of my favorite movies though memento that's one of my favorite yeah. movies no shout out man no but um yeah. i mean to be honest though i gotta ask you guys this question were you too high to watch this movie no, no, I was I was in a perfect state. Is all I'll say. Um, I think <laughs> and the I was movie a, took you out of it. <laughs> no, no, no. I was in a state that that had me focused. Like I was focused. I was oh, locked okay, in. Right, right. I like see, I, I understood what was going Damn, on. Why, like I was following it. Is yeah. that how, why, so? And you really approached like, the movie like, yo, I really want to absorb this. I'm gonna specifically. Yo, bro, pick... I was locked in. This is like a playing tournament Damn. game to me, man. Wow. I was locked in. Um, yeah, I just I just didn't I just didn't get it. Like I, I legit, I think I googled after. I was like, "What was the point of Tenet?" Yeah, yeah, I didn't go that far. I just googled how tall that the, the actress was because she was like, like a legit. <laughs> <laughs> like she, I was just, it was very distracting. I was like, "Yo, what?" Because she dunked. She could definitely dunk. Man. Oh man. Anyways, um, um, yeah, I think that's that's. I think that's actually all the bonus topics I have. I really wanted to stretch this for another hour. But I oh, you really it. said to clear H- out happy... three hours, man? Which. You know, I, I understand, but like, this is tough. Listen, but, man, we got to give the people a classic. Uh, don't feel the pressure, man. Why, why, are you, why are you feeling this pressure at this specific time? This, also, um, also this Zoom recording is, is going to take like 40 minutes to finish loading. I was going to say, man, I got another interview after this. Um, yeah. What are you going to do in the offseason, man? Do you have any? Uh, uh, I don't know. Just Just working on some, just working on my usual kind of freelance stuff. Um, obviously we're we're still doing run it back yep. throughout the playoffs um, we were supposed to start doing playoff stuff this week but then Masai's exit interview was so great like that mm-hmm. was just the whole episode um, yeah you know um, might be might be putting together a, a another book a raptures related book so stay Ooh. tuned on that okay okay yeah, so no I, so I heard the idea uh, I'm excited I'm not gonna know anything about it but uh yeah that's why I'm excited so, to learn yeah. man. no it'll be fun um and 
yeah i don't know that's it man happy happy asian heritage month happy asian heritage month and um honestly happy end of the season i think like we probably do just need to like mentally be done with this year like i i it was taking a lot out of me like i wrote like a 10 things to remember or i think 10 things to forget about this year and there were a lot of things in Mm -hmm. there but like Man, it just like well, going back over, it, and I was like, "Yo, this this season was such a shit show. Like, it was so terrible." Remember, the, I forgot this while I was in the process of writing, and I remembered it. It was one of the last things cut. Do you remember the game where Nick Nurse accidentally got ejected? He didn't know he already had one technical. Was yelling at the ref. The ref's like, "All right, you're out of here, buddy." He's like, "What? That's my first technical." And he's like, "Oh, oh, that's your second technical." I don't remember that. That what, was the who, Memphis who did game. They play. It was Memphis. Because in the no first half, someone was complaining, that. and like he thought Pascal got the tech, but apparently the tech was given to Nick, and then he just argued and he got a second tech and he got kicked out of the game. <laughs> and the Raptors came back in that game yeah, and they won. Insane. But like, you know, th- that this is kind of what the season was like. like. Everybody was like, "Oh, we didn't even give Nick Nurse a grade." To be honest, but I'm giving you an A plus because apparently I'm Nick Nurse's teacher's pet. But like, you know, if you're gonna give him more, honest yeah, I'll, grade, g- I'll give him a, I'll give him a B. Um, he needs to drop. Uh, if anyone from the Nick Nurse Foundation is still listening, um, we need a purple colorway of the NN hat because I know he was dropping some new colorways towards the end of the season. Wow. I'm not trying to wear a beige beige colorway, man. Come on, cream colorway. Like, we need a Raptors purple NN hat. The Nick that Nurse shop. That's what we need. Not yeah, I know, but this season was weird, you know. I, I miss being in the locker room and just like, you yeah. know, talking to players, you know, doing stories that way, obviously being at the arena, you know, you know, being around just, just other reporters, you know, obviously I, I didn't do, do, do the day-to-day stuff like a lot of you guys did in terms of the zooms, but I don't know. I can't imagine, like, I know, I know what we were talking earlier, like it's a, it's a very good, like more organized format for the reporters, but it's just, you lose a lot when you're just not seeing these players yeah. like in person. For sure. For sure. So, and, I don't um, know, man. Like you've been a person on a fucking oh, whoops! You've been a person on a Zoom screen, the like the whole season. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, I mean also wild. this job is less fun when you're not like sitting in media row with your friends. I, I mean, yeah, that's the part I miss like, the most about it. Like, like no, not it's like the interactions. You, yeah, Ash, no, the interactions me, matter. You, you, know. you know, the the you know honestly, just like building those relationships too. Like you know, within the media with friends and it's like there's just so many things you miss about just just even just going to the arena like going to the arena like anticipating a big game mm, yeah. and and things like that like yeah. i don't you're, know you're, man you sound like you're yeah. about to tell me you miss a dvp at this rate like what's going on <laughs> <laughs> no like it really sucks like you figure by this point it'd be a first for sure certainty that the raptors would start next year in toronto but you got Masai out here pleading um yeah. Because of the way everything has been handled, and that sucks. Damn. No, I mean, look, listen. Everyone, get to go get your vaccines. Seems like there's, uh, the the supply seems quite high. You know, uh, I went to get the vaccine. Like it literally was super painless. My arm was like somewhat sore for like a day. Wow, and then, I was know, done for go. four days, man. Yeah, your immune system trash, bro. But. <laughs> no, but go get your vaccine, okay? Let's uh, let's try to get through this. And honestly, like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, the next season is is not that far out, but I am somewhat optimistic that we can sort of at least get that border semi-open. Because let's be real, the border is semi-open, right? Like, how did Masai get to Toronto? Of course. No, you know? of course. How I was just, he in Scotia? I just think... You know, like... No, like, you know? yeah. I just think all of us are just tired of this. 
like like we're ready to start moving back towards normal yeah well but the new normal is uh is two hours on the podcast alex no i love it this is like run it back for the entire off season so we're just gonna cut this video down to like five minute segments and uh We'll see you yeah, next I know, season. I know you. I know you got the Adobe Suite or whatever skills. Yo. Oh, you God. should put in the graphics. Put in the put in the bottom captions. Do it all. No, that, no. <laughs> imagine you having to do two hours of captions. No, listen. You know, first off, huge thanks to all our editors. You know, you guys do a very thankless job having to edit me and Alex because we're obviously very talkative dudes. But um, no, man. Uh, to the extent that I know how to do use Premiere, is the same extent I know how to use Photoshop, which is just to like do really, really shitty, <laughs> like crop a video on top of another video, basic transitions. But uh, it was enough to uh, to make a Mad Men parody. So can right. you can you upload a two hour video on YouTube? You can. It just takes. It just like your computer will die. <laughs> like, like this is two hours. Man. <laughs> my keyboard is just gonna reach out and commit seppuku on itself. It's gonna just fold itself into the two. But um, yeah, it, it's possible. All right, I got no more. I got no more. I got nothing else to. to I, I I just always try to extend, uh, the the minutes count. This is oh. like a this is like a Marvel movie. It's like the post credit scene. No, this but, is Lord of the Rings when they yeah. go back to the Shire. I'm like, yo, guys, come on, man. I don't. <laughs> you even destroyed know it. You can't can't end, bro, what do you mean? You, I know I you can't. saw the movie, man. I know you saw. The no, movie. I have the DVD set. I have yeah. the DVD set, definitely, but. It Yo. just wasn't memorable. I can't believe that's the trilogy that you stand. I yeah. thought you would like Star Wars. Star Wars is cool, but like, I don't know, man. Some of the graphics from the old ones are really lame, and the new newer stories weren't as good. Did Plus, you read The Hobbit as well? Did I read The Hobbit? Yeah, I read The Hobbit. And I watched The Hobbit. The so Hobbit good. was disappointing, but no, Lord of the Rings is really good, man. Plus, look, listen, if you watch all three of those DVDs, the pandemic will be over afterwards. So, you know. <laughs> You'll be man. all good, man. Yeah, I don't know. All right. All right. All right. Alex, all right. I've, this I've is done long enough. enough. We're going to move this conversation to the DMs. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Whenever you publish a book, uh, you're going to be on here to to sell that book. And uh, we're going to do our very best to plug it. But uh, in the meantime, I appreciate your time. Um, and listeners, appreciate you for listening. And so the, story, the, the content plan going forward is we're going to do at least a weekly podcast. Plus, we're going to try to get some more interviews off the ground. So look out for those as well. But in the meantime, definitely weekly podcasts, definitely going into the draft. Summer League is back. So definitely react pods for the Summer League, the, the Canada basketball in the offseason, the offseason itself. Like, there's going to be a plenty to talk about. And uh, I'll be on this podcast to discuss it. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And um, peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.